When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. One of the many issues that I've talked about over the years that seems to have united people on the left and the right is something that continues to drive me crazy. You know, it just drives me up a wall. Whenever I see a politician run for office and ask for your vote and get elected to that office and for two years or four years or six years, whatever the case may be, get to cash a check that you're paying for. And then while they're getting paid to do the job that they said they wanted, the next year or two years after getting elected or reelected, they run for another office and they pretty much just totally abandon the job that they said they wanted. We see this when congressmen run for governor. We see this when senators run for president. We see this when governors run for president. We see this whenever anybody runs for higher office. Even, even you know, quixotic campaigns like when Bill de Blasio was running for president of the United States. Nobody, nobody thought that de Blasio had much of a chance of getting elected president, but he still allowed that quixotic bid for higher office to distract him from running for office, uh, from running the city in the first place. Just a year or two after he was reelected by making the case to the voters that he wanted to do the job again. Florida has what I consider to be a pretty great law. In Florida, the law is that if you run for office and that run for office coincides with a public office you're already doing, you have to put in an irrevocable letter of resignation. So you have to pick. That's why just recently when Charlie Crist ran for governor in Florida, he was a congressman, he had to resign. And I think that makes sense. I wish every state had a law like that. Because I'm tired of paying for politicians that are not doing their job because they're seeking another office. Interestingly enough, now that Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is being talked about as a presidential candidate, there is now a huge movement in the state legislature to change state law to smooth the way for Governor DeSantis to run for president in 2024. And whether you like DeSantis or not, and I like a lot of what he did on COVID, I don't know what kind of a presidential candidate he would be because I don't know where he is on foreign policy and things of that nature. But whether you like DeSantis or not, I'm curious what you think. 
that they are poised to change their own state's law to allow him to run for president while still doing the job and getting paid for doing the job of being governor. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. If you don't live in Florida, which I assume most of us don't, most of it, although I know a lot of New Yorkers are pining to move to Florida. One of my coworkers, I saw her here today. She was fantasizing about moving to Florida. But if you don't live in Florida, I'd like to know, would you like your state to have a law like this? My answer, absolutely. Absolutely. And this is a nonpartisan thing. It doesn't matter whether, because Democrats do it, Republicans do it. They all do it. Every politician I know has done this just about. And I would love to know your view on whether you think you should be prohibited, as is currently the case in Florida, from running for higher office. Both the House Speaker in Florida, Paul Renner, and the State Senate President, Kathleen Pasadamo, both of whom were sworn into their new posts on Tuesday, agreed it would be a good idea to make it clear that DeSantis would not have to resign if he wound up becoming the GOP nominee. DeSantis was just reelected to a second four-year term earlier this month after he defeated his Democratic rival by roughly 20 points. You know a guy that I give a lot of credit for, a lot of credit to as a historical figure? He's one of the people that I admire most. I'm really going to surprise you. That is Harold Stassen. Harold Stassen was the governor of Minnesota. And now, these days, he's best known as a punchline, as the guy that ran for president the most times. But Harold Stassen was on a fast track politically. He was one of the youngest governors in the entire country. He was considered a vocal vocal spokesman for a certain type of republicanism in the 30s and 40s. And he said, if I'm reelected and we go to war, meaning World War II, I am resigning as governor, and I am going to go fight in World War II. Now, you ask yourself, how many politicians would do that today? They're on a fast track to the presidency or somewhere else, and they're going to resign a nice political job in order to go fight in a war and risk dying. Not many, I suspect. But the reason I give Stassen credit is because he was willing to—he said that to the voters from the get-go— He didn't say, reelect me and I'm going to stick around here for four more years. He said, reelect me, and if we go to war, I am resigning in order to fight. Um, That is not what we've seen from other politicians. So DeSantis has not yet said that he's definitely going to run in 2024, but he has emerged as a top potential contender for this job. And a lot of people are pressing him to run, even though former President Trump has already announced his bid for the White House. A lot of polls have shown support for DeSantis is rising among Republican voters. It is interesting, the history of this Florida law. It is almost like a bill of attainder. Florida law requires anyone running for office, as I said, to put in an irrevocable letter of resignation ahead of qualifying if the terms of the two offices overlap. The law was changed in 2008 because back then, Floridians had another popular governor by the name of Charlie Crist, who was considered a rising star in Republican political circles. He's a Democrat now. But um, the law was changed in 2008 to allow Charlie Crist to seek the vice presidency. Because if you remember back at the time, they were talking about Crist as a potential running mate to John McCain back then. 
But legislators reversed course four years ago and put back in place a requirement that someone seeking federal office would have to resign ahead of the actual election. So they changed. They had this law in place. They changed it for Christ, changed it back after the Chris situation resolved itself, and now they're poised to take it away again in order for DeSantis to seek the presidency. Come on. This is so silly. This is just ridiculous. Either you have a law that matters or you don't. Uh, 800-848-9222. I'd be curious about your opinion on this. Jeannie Barnes is a DeSantis supporter. She spoke with uh, NBC2 in Fort Myers about the proposal to change this law. That is not a good change. We don't want to be two years without a governor that's um, doing his best to support us in Florida. I think this is a perfectly reasonable woman. Again, this is a woman that voted for DeSantis. She's saying, look, I just voted for the guy. What am I going to, what do we, why should we pay his salary in order for him to go all around the country and be essentially an absentee governor? It's no coincidence that whenever you look in a presidential election year, the senators and congressmen that have the worst absentee records are the ones that are running for president. It's no coincidence in a gubernatorial election year, the congressmen that have the worst absentee records are the ones that are running for governor. Take a look at what happened in New York this year when there were a couple of congressmen running for office. You saw who was showing up and who wasn't showing up. Shockingly, the ones that were running for office, or higher office, were the ones not showing up. You know what they didn't forget to do? Cash their paycheck, that's for sure. Here uh, on the other side of the coin is Kathleen Pasadamo. She is the uh, state Senate leader in Florida, and she is strongly in support of DeSantis. She's strongly in support of changing this law for DeSantis. If Speaker Renner thinks it's a good idea, I think it's a good idea. If an individual who is from Florida, who is a Florida governor, is running for president, I think he should be allowed to do it. I really do. I mean, that's (coughs) an honor. Now, now after this DeSantis landslide, the Republicans have a supermajority in Florida. In fact, I think there are more states that have supermajorities of one party or another than uh, than most. Uh, than, I think more than we've had in decades, meaning Democrat or Republican. Like in New York, it's Democrat. In Florida, it's Republican. So it essentially doesn't matter if all the Republicans vote for this. It doesn't matter what the Democrats do. But uh, the Florida, a Democratic state legislator in Florida by the name of Anna Ascomani spoke to NBC2 against changing this law. It's another example of how Florida Republicans will bend over backwards to please Governor DeSantis. If we're going to hold ourselves to the standard that we must resign in order to run, that standard should be held the same by Governor DeSantis as well. Completely agree with her. And I want to stress, when they were talking about Andrew Cuomo running for president, I felt the same way. When John Edwards was running for president, he and he essentially stopped doing his job. I felt the same way. When Barack Obama was essentially abandoned his Senate career after a year and a half in the Senate, I felt the same way. John McCain, same way. Um, whenever someone is, you know, you know who I give a lot of credit to, Bob Dole. Bob Dole was the state Senate majority leader, excuse me, the U.S. Senate majority leader, had a long and illustrious career in the U.S. Senate, worked on a ton of legislation. You know what he did? He resigned. 
He resigned and he said, essentially, I'm going to be a full-time candidate now. I'm not going to be cashing a check paid for by the taxpayers while I'm running for another office. And I gave him, I wouldn't, I didn't support Bob Dole that year, but I give him a lot of credit for that. And I thought that was a very admirable thing. When uh, George Bush was still governor of Texas and essentially stopped doing that job um, in order to run for the presidency, I didn't think fondly of that. John F. Kerry running for U.S. Senate, same thing. All these politicians, they're always looking for the next job and the next job and the next job. And one of the common things that I hear from people, regular people, ordinary people like me and maybe some of you, one of the ordinary th- the things that I hear from people is that it's so difficult for regular, ordinary people to run for office. And it's true. Because if you're already in elective office, you have every advantage in the world. But you know what the number one advantage is? The number one advantage is you don't have to take off from your job in order to campaign. If I'm running for office, I have to take off from my job. Now, if I didn't have my job for two weeks, I don't know how we'd pay our mortgage. So realistically, I can't unless I win the lotto. I can't run for office. I suspect many of you are in the same boat. And that's why I think this Florida law is so sound, why it makes so much sense. Run for the job that you want. Another guy who I've been quite critical of over the years, but I think he did the right thing sort of in this respect, is Willard Mitt Romney. Willard Mitt Romney made very clear he wanted to run for president in 2008. So when he was governor of Massachusetts, he didn't run for reelection in 2006 because he knew he was going to run for president, and he did that. Now, in the case of Willard Mitt Romney, chances are he was not going to be reelected as governor in 2006. So I don't think it's as principled a situation as was the case with Bob Dole. But, you know, I'll give him credit anyway. 800-848-9222. I am curious what you think of this movement to change the Florida law. In the words of the film critic Jay Sherman, I think it stinks. Let me say hello to Pamela in New Jersey. Pamela, give me your take on this. Yeah, I think they should resign their position when they're going to run for presidency. I'm so tired of these mayors that were just elected are already campaigning to be president and not doing their job. And I think it's a full-time job. And you're right. Give room for other people to run and and do the job that you were elected for. I put my heart and soul into a candidate, and all of a sudden he's, like, uh, just campaigning. And and you're right. I'm being um, I'm being uh, honest about which you know uh, I would love DeSantis in the future to be president. But you know what? Do the job you were elected right, for right. right now. Well, you know, and again, DeSantis, if he would have even said um, while he was running for office, uh, when the, he's asked nine thousand times a day about running for president, if he would have said yes, if they change the law, I am going to run for president. I would have uh, I would have given him credit for that, for at least being honest with the voters. But instead, he did this this typical politician game, the same thing Hillary Clinton did, same thing every politician does. It says, "Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens." I mean, come on, either I, I mean, either say you're going to serve your full term or don't. Um, but that's one of the reasons I love this. Florida law, because you're not relying on politicians to be honest or not be honest. It's mandated. You got to resign. You're running for another office that that coincides with the one that you're serving in now. No, you can't cash a check uh, and we're going to pay you to run for office. You got to resign. And we're not going to end up with a um, an unelected governor for two years. 
800-848-9222. Russell is in North Carolina. Hello, Russell. Hey, Frank, I agree with you. Um, I, I actually like DeSantis, but I, I agree that if you've decided, I mean, and, you know, right now when people say, well, make your decision, that that's a little crazy because he's got a. Oh, yeah, you got time. I got, got it. Sure. Yeah. But the second he decides, hey, I'm running for president, then, yeah, he needs to step down and say, you know, this is where my priorities are. It's just like it's like, you know, you and I are big baseball fans. Aaron Judge is a free agent, right? He's not saying, hey, I'm definitely coming back to the Yankees. He's got to see what the options are. And, um, you know, I tried to throw it. Maybe he'll be a Met, right? right? Oh, I mean, my goodness. That would be phenomenal. <laughs> but, 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 um, but, yeah, I think I think I, I like the Florida law, and I think it should stay because if, if your eyes are on a bigger prize, fine. But step down because you're not going to – you can't serve the state and run for president at the same time. No, no doubt about it. Russell, thank you for the call. I mean, and I'd love to hear someone who disagrees, by the way. We'll put you to the front of the line. Uh, just tell uh, Kenneth that you disagree. 800-848-9222. But Cory Booker, when he ran for president, you think he was really still doing the job that he was doing two years prior to running for president? Of course not. Cash in the same paycheck. Kamala Harris, same thing. All these people, they're essentially getting paid by the taxpayers to run for office. Now, if you're going to do that, if you're going to make that the standard in elective office, then pay everybody that wants to run for office. Of course, we're not going to do that. But it just here's my issue with this. We have I'll call it the political industrial complex, right? You have this whole system of electoral politics and government that's dominated by insiders. And it just perpetuates, and it perpetuates and perpetuates. And I'll be honest, I think that's one of the things that people found so appealing about both Donald Trump and Barack Obama, because they, in some ways, were outsiders, but they certainly branded themselves as outsiders. I think Trump certainly Fits the description of an outsider. Now, we can have a debate about how well that worked out. Okay, that's a discussion for another day. But there's just this political doom loop where the same people get recycled and reshuffled because they're able to have the time to run for office. So essentially, we have a government at the state level, to some extent at the city level, but certainly at the federal level, of professional politicians and people who are wealthy enough to leave their job in order to run for office. So is that what we want? A government of professional politicians and wealthy people? I don't think so. I, I, I like a citizen legislator or two. 800-848-9222. Neil is on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. One moment, Frank. Okay, I was just marking my calendar, Frank. One of the few days that I agree with you 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I remember when Hillary ran. She was a senator. And she she specifically said, "When I run for re-election, I will finish out my term." Right away, she ran for president. You know, but one thing, Frank, with these boneheads in office and in, uh, in, in the state legislature, it'll never happen because the only when the only people that the rule would go against would be them. Right, and they're not going to make a rule against themselves. You're, you're right. You're right. Now, again, in Florida, to their credit, they did that. 
But now they're going to undo it because DeSantis is popular. And I, and I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think you either have to have principles that mean something or you don't. Neil, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We're going to take a quick break. We'll continue with your calls. 800-848-9222. Coming up next hour. Very excited for this. John Serbone is going to be here. John, I first met John Serbone when I interviewed him 24 years ago. And uh, I last met John Serbone in person 18 years ago. And recently a listener uh, emailed me, and we're going to go through your email later. If you want to uh, email me, you can do so, frank.morano at uh, wabcradio.com. But a listener emailed me, said, I saw this phenomenal hypnotist named John Serbone. You've got to have him on the radio. And I said, I know John Serbone. I interviewed him 24 years ago. So he's going to join us next hour. We're going to do something really fun. We're actually going to try to do a broadcast from Stage 77, our video production facility here. So it may sound a little bit different because it's 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 designed for video production. It should still sound good. And we're going to we're not going to do a live video simulcast, but you'll hear the radio broadcast, and then come in come the morning, come a few hours from now, you'll be able to see the visuals of John Serbone, hopefully doing a hypnotic demonstration uh, with four friends of mine who he's never met, and hopefully it'll be funny. We'll see. This is a a big experiment, but that's what I like to do on radio. I like to experiment. I always do something different. always do something fun, and sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. No one likes us, I don't know why We may not be perfect, but heaven knows we try But all around, even our old friends put us down Let's drop the big one and see what happens We give them money are they grateful? No, they're spiteful and they're hateful. They don't respect us, so let's surprise them. We'll drop the big one pulverize them. The crowded. This is the great Randy Newman singing political science. Uh, Randy Newman had his birthday yesterday. He was 79 years old and uh, a great artist, great pianist, and a great singer. Absolutely. All right. Uh, We'll get back to your calls in just a second. Hey, I wanted to let you know I will not be here on Friday, and I will not be here on Monday. I believe uh, Curtis Lee will probably be filling in, although I'm not certain, uh, but that's generally what, uh, what they do. So I'm going to be in Mexico for um, my brother-in-law's wedding because I am related only to people that get married in faraway places. Not related to anyone that gets married around the corner or up the block or 20 minutes away. Only I, my brother Nick, you'll remember, uh, got married in Hawaii and we had a great time. But it was, you know, it was just tough to get there. I forget what the flight was. Something like 12 hours. Mexico is not as bad. It's only four hours. And unlike when I went to Hawaii, I am going to be going uh, with my wife 
And my son, Carmine, who now that he's a year old and off baby formula, we have decided he is old enough to come on an airplane to Mexico with us. Now, the thing with this is it's so funny because if we would have taken him to Hawaii, which is a 12-hour flight, he would have been allowed to sit on one of our laps, and we wouldn't have had to buy a separate ticket for him. Now, because Mexico is an international flight, even though it's only four hours, we have to get a separate ticket for him. So, I mean, think what sense does that make? It's totally absurd. But that's what we're going to do. And uh, I, we got a passport for him and everything. But uh, we're going to bring the car seat, put it on the airplane, and see how this works out. Wish us the best. Those of you that pray, pray that uh, young Carmine has an easy flight. Because I have been on flights with screaming babies that were not mine, and it was quite unpleasant. So for the sake not only of my wife and I, but of our fellow passengers, I hope that uh, Carmine has an easy time with the cabin pressure and uh, and so forth. So that's that. Um, and then, you know, my wife and I were discussing, and I don't want to say too much about this because several of my siblings-in-law listen to this program, but we were discussing what the right thing to do is in terms of a wedding gift. Now, obviously, I don't think we are in a position to give as much of a gift as we would have if they got married in the New York area because we have to pay for three airline tickets and hotel accommodations and everything. And we just don't have the means to be as generous as we would. But I know they always say, um, you know, if it's a destination wedding, you're not expected to give a gift. And I feel like who's going to really do that? I still gave my brother Nick and his and his wife, my sister-in-law, Kat, a, a wedding gift. Again, not as generous as I would have liked to have been. But because after you buy your airline tickets, you book your your room and so forth, you take off from work. You don't have any money left necessarily. So uh, we're still going to give a gift, but uh, I I hope that they're not expecting a New York level gift. Uh, We'll see if if, um, that's if you've been in a similar position, either traveling with an infant or trying to decide what to do in terms of a gift for a destination wedding. Please feel free to uh, give me a call. I have been to Mexico, but it's been a long time. Probably about uh, 24 years and maybe more. And I liked Mexico. They're getting married in a resort in Cancun. So I imagine we're just going to stay in the resort area. And they always say, and we're going to try to abide by this, not to drink the water in Mexico. Because I have known a lot of friends that have gone to Mexico, gotten sick from drinking the water or uh, something that the water was in. My friend Joe Borelli got married in Mexico and... I really am sorry that I missed that wedding because that wedding was a destination wedding and it was apparently a lot of fun and I miss it. You know what it is, is I was dating a woman at the time and she didn't have any interest in going and she kind of convinced me that I didn't have any interest in going. I mean, it was all good. It is always a little bit of a hassle to make the trip to go there and book accommodations and everything. And we did sort of a private ceremony here and I was their witness when they got married in New York. But I am sorry that I missed that. So. Uh, I'm trying not to miss any of these. I'll tell you what else. A friend of mine is having a destination bachelor party in April. And I agreed to go to that because I can't say no to anybody and because this is a good guy. But, I mean, 
at what point is this just too much where you just inconvenience people for a bachelor party in Georgia? I I don't know where all these other people figure that everyone else in their social group is just made of money, that they can go to bachelor parties in other states and book airline tickets and uh, uh, travel accommodations. It's, It's a lot. It's a lot. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. So we'll see uh, how Carmine's first trip abroad goes. Now, talking about this proposal in Florida to do away with this law that they have, which says if you run for office, you have to give up the – if you run for higher office on a federal level, you have to give up the state office that you're currently occupying. I think it's a good law. I don't think they should do away with it. What do you think? Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Mike is in New Jersey. Hello, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, good. Good topic. I disagree with it in that there is a structure to government, and the the let's say your governor is going to run for for president or your senator. They have people. They have advisors. Uh, they have a staff. They're going to push their agenda, whether they are there or not. They're going to push that same agenda. Um, so I, you know, I live in New Jersey. We've got Chris Christie that has run, Booker, who is constantly running, and Murphy got hair plugged, so he's probably running the next election. You know, uh, and we didn't miss a beat here. Their agendas got pushed through. Listen, if my garbage man decides he wants to run for president, my garbage sits in front of my house for two months. That'll make a difference in my life. But I don't think I don't think it really makes a difference with these guys. Well said, Mike. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. Nick is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Nick. Hi. Uh, I, I disagree with you. Uh, How dare you? And I'll say, No, listen. Only because, Frank, they have to make a living. Who's going to support them? He has children and family. Well, you understand? Right. That's very important. First of all, Nick, I, I appreciate that. Uh, Ron Ron DeSantis, number one, is a graduate of Harvard and Yale and has been, you know, as a it was a military veteran and one of the best known Americans in the whole country. Something tells me that he's not going to have a tough time making a living. I think if he decided he wanted to write a book, he could get a six figure book advance tomorrow. That's probably more than you and I combined make in four years. Now, um, I get what you're saying, Nick, uh, but. What about what are regular people supposed to do if they want to run for office? That means you're giving DeSantis or or any governor. I don't want to pick on DeSantis. Any yeah. governor yeah. a super ability to run for office that regular people don't have. Yeah. Well, Frank, I, I understand your point. I just thought I uh, point what I just said out to you. Uh, DeSantis may have happen to be. Uh, a very, uh, you know, unusual person who may have enough money, he may have a background. Uh, you're talking about a, a, a law that applies to people in general. And there are uh, people who, go, who run for office and succeed and at the same time have to make a living. Yeah, I, Nick, I get it. I, I get that very That's much. Thank, thank you, Nick. I appreciate that. Um, I get it. Makes sense. But it's still, you know. I'm not I'm not that concerned about DeSantis's ability to make a living. I think he's going to be if he were to decide to go into the private sector tomorrow, you don't think he'd be flooded with employment offers? I, I if I was his agent, 
Right? I, I would one, um, you could get a get him a contributorship on any cable news network. You could get him a book deal. You could probably get him a lucrative uh, gig giving a series of paid speeches all over the country, maybe even all over the world. He could be he could make a boatload of money as a lobbyist. He could make a lot of money on um, as a fellow with a, a think tank, a conservative think tank. He could do all sorts of things and he could do them all simultaneously. So I don't think he would have a tough time making a living if he uh, decided that he had to uh, if, if he was mandated, I should say, to give up his job. But that's neither neither here nor there. You know, it's funny, just on the Carmine front. I mentioned that we had his birthday party on Saturday, and it was just family. But, you know, there's a lot of people. You know, I have three siblings. Uh, two of them have a a partner. My uh, siblings-in-law, they were there. They, many of them have partners. My cousins, uh, even though I only have three first cousins, they all have husbands, and uh, they all have children. They all came. So it ends up being a lot of people. It's not as if our house is is huge, you know, modestly sized home. So you see a lot of people coming and going. Now, we were blessed to have very good week uh, weather on Saturday. And uh, thank goodness, because we had very poor weather on Friday and then very poor weather on Sunday. But my, my neighbors are doing what they always do. They're hanging out outside. And so I see um, our four or five neighbors congregating across the street. And so I asked my sister Claudia to shout to them to invite them over to have a piece of cake because we had a surplus of cake. We had a cake surplus. I said, tell them to, uh, you know, come over and have some cake. Get a, grab a slice and they can, they can go back. And uh, one of them, uh, my neighbor John Charles, who has quite a sense of humor, he says, no, no, we don't want to be anybody's afterthought. So then I did feel bad even though he was only joking. So I take my sister-in-law, Kat, and um, – and one or two other people, and we bring over cake, five slices of cake, across the street to to our neighbors. And one of them, actually, as he's devouring this cake, says, you know, it would really be something if hidden in the middle of this cake somewhere there was an invitation. So so I did feel bad that we invited them, but not that bad. You know, uh, it is what it is. All right, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on anything we're discussing. We'll talk hypnosis next hour. You want to email me, you can, uh, frank.morano at uh, wabcradio.com. If you are in the mood to send me some snail mail, you can do so. P.O. Box 1777, attention Frank Morano, New York, New York, 10163. We're going to go through the... Mail in the third hour of our program. So that's something to look forward to. We'll continue with your calls uh, in just a moment. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Someone to care, someone to share, lonely hours and the moments of despair, to be loved, to be loved, oh, what a feeling to be loved. 
someone to kiss, someone to miss, when you're away to him for me today, to be loved, to be loved, oh, oh, what a feeling to be loved. The great Jackie Wilson singing To Be Loved. I have to tell you. The more I learn about the French, French culture, French society, the French workplace, the more I am enamored with their with their culture. I went to France once as uh, a 10-year-old. Eh, I was totally unimpressed, I must say. You know what it is? I, I went with my mom, and she took me to all these places that I don't think you could really enjoy as a 10-year-old. We did go to an amusement park, which was fun, but we also waited in line for hours, or what felt like hours, to visit every museum in Paris. We went to the Louvre, we went to Napoleon's grave, we went uh, you know, to uh, the Eiffel Tower, and it was a lot of, uh, they were all things that I think I would probably enjoy as an adult, but I don't think I necessarily had the appreciation for them as a 10-year-old uh, and so I didn't love it. Also, I I, uh, I I got sick at one meal and ended up vomiting. So I, I think I had food poisoning. That didn't um, that didn't do anything for me. But it was fine. It was a fine trip, even as a ten year old. But I don't think I appreciated enough of uh, of France. And I would love to try and go back today. And I'll see if maybe my wife wants to go. Maybe next year. Maybe now that the little guy is getting a little bit bigger, we could try and do some traveling. I found this story. Absolutely fascinating. Headline in the the Washington Post. French man wins right to not be fun at work. Thankfully for um, the sake of many of the folks that work here, this has been a right that Americans have held dear for a long time. Sure enough, (laughs) you read the article and it is exactly... As crazy as the headline makes it sound, France's highest court has ruled that a man fired for a Paris ba- fired by a Paris-based consulting firm for allegedly failing to be fun enough at work was wrongfully dismissed. The man referred to in court documents as Mr. T. No, not Mr. T from the A team. We don't think nobody would ever fire uh, Mr. T because. They would be pitied and foolish to do so. Um, No one would ever fire Mr. T from the A-team, I should say, because of those reasons. So this other Mr. T was fired from Cubic Partners seven years ago after refusing to take part in seminars and weekend social events that his lawyers argued, according to court documents, included excessive alcoholism and promiscuity. Mr. T had argued that the fun culture in the company involved humiliating and intrusive practices, including mock sexual acts, crude nicknames, and obliging him to share his bed with another employee during work functions. The first thing that I'm thinking, and and I hate to take this attitude, because nobody should ever be forced to be in positions that that they don't like. But, the, the first thing that I'm thinking is, if a workplace has a culture, whether you're in France or the United States of America, 
if the workplace has a culture that you don't like, why would you want to work there? Find somewhere else to work. Don't refuse to kind of be part of the culture and then get fired and then sue. Find another place to work. So anyway, maybe that's an insensitive attitude. I I don't think that it is, but you find a place that works better for you. In its judgment this month, the Court of Cassation ruled that the man was entitled to freedom of expression and that refusing to participate in social activities was a fundamental freedom under labor and human rights laws and not grounds for his dismissal. According to the court documents, the man was hired by Cubic Partners as a senior consultant in February of 2011 and promoted to director of in February of 2014. So the guy got promoted. Chances are he was pretty good at his job. He was fired for, quote, professional incompetence in March of 2015 for allegedly failing to adhere to the firm's convivial values. The company also criticized his sometimes brittle and demotivating tone. Boy, this guy sounds like a real drip. Towards subordinates and alleged inability to accept feedback and differing points of view. It's not the first time a company's drinking culture has come under the microscope in court proceedings. A number of recent incidents have highlighted the entrenchment of alcohol in white-collar professional culture even after the Me Too movement shone a spotlight on workplace misconduct globally. Some firms have introduced booze chaperones at company events in hopes of avoiding such issues. And um, so this guy, uh, France is among the world's most liberal countries in terms of alcohol consumption. The legal minimum age for consuming alcohol in public is 18, but there's no regulation of alcohol consumption in private. I um so whatever I I'm sorry this guy lost his job but uh, I think it's I, I think it's a silly thing to literally make a federal case out of it but the reason I'm mentioning this is twofold one because even France is becoming less fun and two because there is another group of people that is doing the same thing that Mr T is doing and it's Generation Z Generation Z if I have my Age is correct. That's the that's the people that are younger than millennial. I think those are the people that are Kenneth's age. Kenneth, are you Generation Z, as far as you're aware? I believe so. Yeah, I have okay. to check on that. Well, so, yeah. Well, well, how old are you? 24. Uh, yeah, I think you might be on the border of... Gen- okay, so uh, millennials are anyone born between eight, 1981 and 1996, so if you're 1997 onward, you would be Generation Z, which I guess you are, right? Okay, so you're Generation Z. Now, the Generation Zers, um, they are not at all happy with the workplace culture involving things like happy hour. There's an article in the New York Post the other day. <laughs> Is happy hour really that happy? That's the debate on tap, pun intended. As workers settle back into going to the office, some young millennials and Generation Zers who tend to be ever concerned with healthy work-life boundaries, they are taking a stance against socializing with colleagues. You know, I have a friend um, that she just started working for a firm, and this was one of her big complaints. She says, I feel like all I do is work and drink, work and drink, and it's very stressful 
And the drinking is not fun. It feels like work. And I get that. But that's kind of the culture of the workplace that this person chose to work in. So um, Michael Nicosia told the New York Post, I enjoy my private life and enjoy to not hang out with coworkers when I'm trying to relax and not think about work. The Dallas, Texas asset manager likes the people in his office, but when he's off the clock, he prefers to not be thinking about work. See, I don't really agree. I mean, I don't really have that much time to socialize with anyone, and the the nocturnal hours don't make it easier uh, for for socialization purposes. But uh, especially pre-Carmine, I would socialize a lot, and I would always invite my coworkers out. I I found it to be... um, very productive, honestly. And, uh, you know, sometimes people are more comfortable having the kind of conversation at a bar than they are at, um, you know, at the office. And I think that's a good thing. I, I think it foments a sense of camaraderie in the workplace, which I think is very healthy. And um, I, I think that's good. But um, I get I look, I appreciate people who disagree. Another fellow and this person was the farthest thing from a generation Zer in the world. Another fellow that completely disagreed was uh, uh, Bernard McGurk. Bernard McGurk, God rest his soul, is still miss him, who was the co-host of the uh, Bernie and Sid show. He would rarely, if ever, at least in the 15, last 15 years that I knew him, ever go out with uh, a coworker for a drink or for lunch or dinner. And I would invite him out frequently. I don't think he accepted, I think he accepted two invitations. In the 15 years that I that I knew him and neither of them was a one on one invitation. And it's not because, you know, we weren't friendly. We were very friendly. It was because that wasn't his thing. His attitude was he had a group of friends and family that he wanted to uh, spend his time with off hours. And apparently that is the attitude that is now predominant among Kenneth's people. Uh, I, I will gladly carry on. Bernie's tradition. Yeah, well, yeah. You are, there's a difference because you are – my impression of you is you are just antisocial. It's not – it's not – like Bernie did socialize, just not with any of us, right? Uh, and these people, these Generation Zers and Mr. T in France presumably, they're not antisocial. They are – or uh, reclusive as I think you may be. They're just – they just don't want to – socialize with their co-workers because of the blend the uh, erasure of the line between work-life balance i think your attitude has to do with in general a being a misanthrope and less with being concerned about a work-life balance that is true because I, I do hate all people right exactly you it's not like you have this secret cadre of people that you're going out with at at uh 501 after the show is over right definitely not right okay <laughs> no see okay but Bernie's tradition of not socializing with work people, I'm just carrying that into the personal life of not socializing with anybody. With anybody. That's very, I'm sure he'd be very proud. You're right. Exactly. Very proud. Uh, but, uh, but you know what happens? Eventually, people just stop inviting you places, right? You just you, you say no, you say no, you say no, you just stop inviting. So uh, Michael Nicosia tells the New York Post, when I've previously gone out with coworkers for drinks, 90% of the conversation is centered around work work gossip, and the like. Well, yeah. You know why? Because presumably you're at a job that you're interested in. Well, you're interested in who's there. You're interested in what's going on. It's fun. I love it. 
I, I, you know, I love talking about work. Whenever, um, you know, whenever I get together with work people, I'm talking about work like crazy. Can you believe Matt Blaze said this? Can you believe uh, Alex Barnard did that? Can you believe it took Kenneth till 3.30 in the afternoon to send me the link to the podcast? And, no, and sure enough, people can't believe it. Some people, like Diamond Nelson, uh, 23 years old, and a nursing assistant in the Baltimore area, big shout out to our friends at WCBM, are guarded after bad experiences hanging out with colleagues. Nelson once invited a co-worker to her home, and things seemed fine at the time. But the next day at work, Nelson heard mean comments about the lack of luxury in her living situation. See, that's not right. That's not, I'm forgetting about work. That's not right if you're a person. Somebody invites you into their home, you shouldn't make any sort of negative comments about anything, really. I mean, I, I am of the opinion that if somebody invites you over, you should really go out of your way never to say anything negative about them. So um, I'm curious where you fall on this. In France, in the United States, among Gen Z and among Mr. T, there is a movement away from socializing with your colleagues, even now that things are getting back to life in the office. And I think that's a shame. I think um, we should encourage people to have a good relationship with their coworkers. In fact, I was talking with our president, Chad Lopez, and one of the things that he seemed uh, amenable to, and I'm not joking here, was putting up a ping pong table. He apparently is a very good ping pong player. I've never seen him play, but uh, it doesn't surprise me because he's a good athlete, and uh, you know he's probably got good hand-eye coordination and everything. But uh, and I think he had a table, and he said he'd be up for putting up a ping pong table to encourage sort of a, a sense of camaraderie here at uh, at the radio station. I think that would be a lot of fun. I would certainly not want to leave. But there are many like me who love hanging out outside the office. Apparently, though, fewer and fewer of them are Generation Z. Where do you come down on this? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. We're going to talk hypnotism with uh, John Cherbone in just a minute. First, let me say hello to Igor in New Jersey. Hello, Igor. Hey there. Greetings, Frank. Hey, uh, this weekend, I guess you heard all about uh, Curtis Sliwa and, and about story time at your house. And I'm just wondering, do you plan on Facebook living that thing if it ever happens? Uh, you know, uh, there's only so much Curtis I can listen to on the weekend. Remind <laughs> me of of that. I probably did hear some reference to it, but remind me of, of, of what that is a reference sure, to. Sure, sure. I'll talk to you about the election thing right next. But uh, he, he, he said that he was going to... Uh, draft a cross-dressing person and have story time uh, with your son Carmine there at your house. Uh, actually, Rudy Giuliani. Right, in, that's in right. I did hear that. Yeah, <laughs> Mayor Giuliani is welcome anytime, whether he's in drag or not. Okay, very, very good, Frank. Hey, so what I wanted to ask you was, granted, I agree with you in large part about the issue about the person not being able to run for an office and having to resign their position before they run for another position. However, do you think there's ever an advantage if one of your people, a local person, or in a case from a state, a person who's running for president, that it's actually beneficial for that state that that person try to leap ahead, leap forward? Do you think there are good returns that come to the state as a result? Yeah, uh, potentially, yes. And that's part of the argument behind um, what the folks that want to repeal this Florida law are saying. Uh, for instance, uh, yeah, I, I think absolutely. If you, and, and thank you for the call, Igor. 
if you're governor of Florida or governor of New York, for instance, or governor of New Jersey, and you all of a sudden have a nationwide platform to talk about issues that are important to New York, New Jersey, Florida, Michigan, what Maryland, that people would otherwise not hear about, I think you could definitely spin that as something that's a positive to the people of that state. And I'm not discounting that it could be a positive. I just think the negatives of getting an absentee politician that's cashing a government check while looking for their next job, I think the negatives outweigh the positive, potentially. Until next hour, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Welcome to the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. This is very exciting. I may sound a little different. I may look a little different because for the same reason. This is the first hour of the other side of midnight that we are broadcasting from stage 77. Now, if you followed any of the exciting things that go on at WABCRadio.com or on 77 WABC on social media, you know that stage 77 is so much more than a soundstage, so much more than a video production studio. It's essentially a multi-purpose content provider in a box. There's been debates here. There's been roundtable discussions here. There's been award giveaways here. I think there's even been a pie-eating contest here or two. But what we're doing today is very exciting. And you'll be able to see, if you're listening on radio, you're going to be able to see the video of this either on 77 WABC's Facebook page or on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. But it's going to be all over the place. It's going to be on Instagram at 77 WABC. It's going to be everywhere. The reason we're here at Stage 77 today is because I have a very special in-studio guest, someone who is a world-renowned hypnotist, and that's not an exaggeration, that's quite literally. He is known as the Trance Master. Some people say he is the best hypnotist in the world. He has been named the Hypnotist of the Year by some very reputable hypnosis organizations. I have not interviewed him in 24 years. I have not spoken to him, or in person. Anyway, in 18 years, and it gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome back John Serbone. John, it's great to see you. Great to be back. So, what have you been up to the last 18 years? Oh, a couple of things. Um, I have been at this profession of mine for a long time, and I just love this. I eat and breathe and sleep this. I'm the inventor, creator, and developer of something called speed trance hypnosis. As of this past week, I'm up to 115 different speed inductions. I can put people out that quickly. I've done shows so far in 29 U.S. states. I have something lining up, it looks like, in Milwaukee at some point. So that'll be 30. So I've been doing shows for around 30 years. I've got about 30 states' worth of uh, background coming up shortly. I have headlined in Las Vegas at numerous casino hotels. I've headlined in Atlantic City. I've headlined on Broadway. Not bad for a kid from Staten Island. No doubt. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what it is that you do and what hypnosis is in general. I think people are familiar with the idea of hypnosis. I think people have seen a lot of movies where hypnosis plays a major role in the plot, where uh, maybe some some somebody that's uh, got a surreptitious motive hypnotizes someone to go out and commit bank robberies and do all sorts of nefarious things, and this person that's doing it has no memory of it. Uh, 
start with me from the basics. What exactly is hypnosis? Hypnosis is a naturally occurring brain relaxation state that we go in and out of with no one's help a minimum of seven times a day. The more intelligent, stressed out, or creative, the more hypnotizable you are. So, when you zone out, you're in hypnosis. I'll give you some examples. You ever laugh or cry at a movie ever in your life? Sure. That's hypnosis. You know it's fake, but you're reacting like it's real and it's happening around you. Um, let's see. You ever drive a car and you're not sure how you got there in one piece? <laughs> right? Yeah. You zone out. It's called highway or road hypnosis, depending upon whose book you read. And everybody goes in and out of hypnosis. Now, remember when you learned how to drive? Mm. You were white-knuckling the wheel. You know, when I learned how to drive, I had my dad, who was prone to yelling a lot, and I had the dean of discipline from my high school as my driver's ed teacher. And you hit a pothole. and would be, oh, my goodness. And, be, you know, swearing for angels and saints to intervene. And now I don't see the dean too often, whose teeth seem to be in a permanent grit back in those days. Good morning, Mr. Malone. Good morning. You know, that kind of thing. And my father has since left the earth, but whatever. The bottom line is, is now I drive the car in a more relaxed way. Everything's automatic. So what hypnosis does is it addresses the automatic part of who we are. What would you say is the average percentage of the automatic part of your mind running your life? Would you say it's 10 percent, 20 percent? What do you think? I, I would say it's somewhere in the 20 percent range, maybe 30. How about it's 94 percent of what you're doing? Wow. What's dressing you, feeding you, taking you to the restroom, tying your shoelaces, taking you into the shower for a grown man, shaving your face, um, anything, eating, walking, driving a car, it's all subconscious behavior. Yeah, it, it takes me a lot more effort to shave than most, but uh, that's a, a story oh, that's for another story day. For exactly. Show, right? so, uh, talking with uh, John Serbone, a terrific hypnotist who has mastered the art of the speed trance. You can check this out on his uh, YouTube page. You can either search on YouTube uh, Trance Master, or they can go to your website, John. What's your website? You can go to worldfamoushypnotist.com. That's worldfamoushypnotist.com. And you go to my YouTube page, which is the Trance Master channel. I just renamed it. So everything that you just described, uh, driving, uh, shaving, eating, and so forth, that all just sounds like things that sort of just becomes uh, unconscious behavior, or things that we're so accustomed to that we're not aware that we're doing them at the time that we're doing them. When I've seen hypnosis, either stage shows or when I've seen hypnotists displayed on movies or television shows, I see hypnotists go to a great deal of effort uh, to, to say to people, all right, uh, you know, on the count of one, on the count of two, uh, from the time I get to here to there, you're getting sleepy, your eyes are getting so heavy, and then uh, when I give you the verbal cue, such and such, that'll make you cluck like a chicken. What you're describing, all the examples you just gave, driving, shaving, eating, there's no hypnotist giving those instructions. How is that the same as what a lot of us have in our mind it's is a, what hypnotists do? It's a brainwave or brain relaxation shift, perhaps, into relaxation. That excess is the subconscious part of our mind, which is leading most of our lives. It's been said the more intelligent, stressed out, or creative, the more hypnotizable a person is. Now, there's a list of things, which I didn't bring with me for this show, about different ways people can go into hypnosis. Monotony, for example. I recall being in high school, for example, and I had some really terrific teachers in high school. My school was so great that I recently went out of business. But the, <laughs> the bottom line is now five charter schools in one. But... We had some professors in college, I had some teachers in high school that would drone on and on. You may remember, say, the Wonder Years, the teacher he had, there was Ben Stein, mm -hmm. who used to write speeches for right. Nixon. This is the planet Earth. And all the kids in the class is zoning out. 
That's hypnosis. So hypnosis is not necessarily something I do to you. When I'm doing a show and I go, sleep, and everybody kind of falls over and the whole audience goes, wow. You know, it's just me guiding them back in. It's something I guide you into rather than something I do to you because you're in and out of it without my help. So say you were in school years ago and you were zoned out. And the teacher called on you to ask you a question. And you were looking out the window at a beautiful tree or something or a plane going by. And that's when they always called on you, right? That's right. when you were zoned out. And they asked you a question. And you had no idea what the question was. What would happen? Your stupid friend would lean over and intentionally whisper the wrong answer right. to you. Sure. And you repeat it. And then you get yelled at. He'd get yelled at or she'd get yelled at. And then, you know, you go back to teaching again. So we're all a lot more suggestible than we think we are. Everybody's more suggestible. Uh, three final questions, and then we have four brave souls that are going to allow you to give us a demonstration of what hypnotism is. I want to encourage everybody to check out the video of this. Uh, it's on Facebook. Just search 77WABC or Frank Morano or uh, Red Apple Audio Networks, any of those. It comes right up. Um, one is I, I know there are some hypnotists that specialize in showmanship, using uh, hypnosis for comedic abilities and things like that. There are other hypnotists that use it more for therapeutic means, getting people to stop smoking, stop overeating, stop uh, drinking too much, whatever the case may be. You actually do both, right? Absolutely. And I'm also a certified instructor, so I train people for this as a career path. Um, okay. It's two different animals, but yet they're kind of coupled together. Let me explain. I've met people in this profession who have been trained by certain instructors and the instructors will turn around and say, oh, you're one of those stage hypnotists. I don't want to talk to you. But without stage hypnotism keeping the profession alive, mm -hmm. after Mesmer fell out of favor with the aristocracy in Europe, stage hypnotism kept clinical hypnosis alive because it wouldn't have existed otherwise. The whole thing would have kind of went south. So basically, um, I do both. And it's funny because one feeds the other. For example, I was looking for a way in my private sessions to get people to leave the private sessions happy, smiling, and laughing. I don't want people leaving my sessions, you know, kicking the dog, mad at their spouse, hating their parents, all that stuff. I want them to leave laughing. And other forms of therapeutic models that people might go to for other things, they may walk out upset, they hate their life, this one, that one, the other one. I don't want anybody hating anything. There's too much of that in the world. So I came up with the idea of making them laugh at my funny color red pen, you know, and I just make them laugh. It becomes sillier and funnier and funnier and sillier, and they laugh and they walk out happy. Um, and then I said, well, I can put that in the show. And I pulled it out. It became a part of the show. Now, at the end of the show is all the time. It's either my wristwatch or my shoes, and if I forget the pen, that's what that is, or I pull out the red pen. It's hysterically funny. Why is it funny? Because I suggested it's funny. Everything is suggestion. All the ads on TV, all the ads on radio, all of it is suggestion. If I ask you to close your eyes right now... And Except think, our ads. Our ads are really great products. No, no, I'm, no I'm not saying they're not great suggestion. products, but everything's a suggestion. For example, the sneakers I'm wearing. Somebody suggested that's a great pair of sneaker brand, right? So I'm going to buy those sneakers. So if I ask you to close your eyes for a second, I'm not going to hypnotize you, relax. And... Um, Ask you to think not of a pink elephant, and that's don't start smiling and giggling right. when you see the pink elephant standing behind you eating a peanut, <laughs> wearing a straw hat. Don't laugh. It's it's just hold that mm -hmm. in. Whatever you do, get up. The idea. Open your eyes. Did you see or imagine a pink elephant? Uh, uh, that's the only thing did. I did. I, I, uh, we got we've got a break, and then we're going to bring in four people that uh, you are going to demonstrate some of your skills on. But just so folks know, can you hypnotize someone to do something crazy? Like, can you, uh, heaven forbid, hypnotize someone to go out and commit a murder or something like that? No, because it's a base built-in safety valve, and if you're not necessarily a murderer, you would never do that. Um, 
that's my experience after a lifetime of doing this. I invented a self-hypnosis technique when I was three years old. Wow. My dad yelled a lot. I didn't like the yelling. I used to go upstairs and put myself in my happy place, which turned out to be hypnosis. So you can actually hypnotize yourself. That's called self-hypnosis. All hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Anybody getting hypnotized by me is following my guidance into hypnosis, but they're doing it for themselves. We're going to remind folks about this later, but uh, you can actually see John Serbone in person. People are coming from far and wide to see him December 9th at Z2 in Staten Island. A terrific establishment. It's sort of like a hybrid of a diner and a nightclub. It's a great little spot. Uh, great food. My favorite is the Portobello Omelette. And they're not an advertiser, so this is not hip hypnotic yeah. suggestion. But if Listen, they wanted we'll, to give I'll me a free por Portobello Omelette, that wouldn't be the worst thing. Uh, if they want to see you on at, at Z2, what's the best way for them to do that? They have to get tickets to Just go to my website, World Famous Hypnotist. It'll redirect back to the other name that I use, which is Hypnosis Stage Show. And um, there's an events page. Great. And I'm doing an event tomorrow, this evening, actually, in New Jersey at a high school, Tuesday night uh, at, in Hillside. So if anybody wants to get a hold of me for that, that they're welcome to do Terrific. it as well. Terrific. Well, we got a lot but of listeners the out there thing, as well. Come see me at Z2, because it's like the closest thing you're going to find to a Las Vegas showroom awesome. in Staten Island. Awesome. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Coming up in a moment, we have a very diverse cadre of people that are going to try their hand at being hypnotized. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano, here with John Serbone. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight. I am Frank Morano here with John Serbone, and we have four brave victims, uh, uh, hypnotic subjects, that have agreed to have some fun with us for the next 20 minutes or so as uh, part of a demonstration of what hypnosis can do, not when it's used therapeutically, but when it's used purely for comedic purposes. Let me uh, first welcome a gentleman that's no stranger to the world of comedy. You may remember him from the old Howard Stern show, Steve Grillo. Hello there, there you Steve. Go. It's a uh, pleasure to be here, finally. I've been trying to get you for a while. All I had to do was get you hypnotized, and that's the only way we can get you at the studio. Who doesn't want free hypnotism? Come on. <laughs> exactly. I love that Wohop t-shirt you've got. That's great. Wait, uh, could he make me not fat? <laughs> only hey, get in line behind me. <laughs> yeah. uh, my uh, old friend Rich Hoffman is here. You want your last name used? Well, it's too late. We'll yeah, it's too late. Too late. Rich Hoffman is here. He's a financial executive. He's done a lot of other interesting things in his life. Uh, are you excited about this, Rich? Absolutely. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. And his lovely wife, Danielle, is here today as well. Danielle, have you ever been hypnotized before? No. Oh, so this is a first for it. both of you, yes. I guess, right? Yes. Well, were you hypnotized for, for anything? I think once on a cruise ship. Okay. All right. Good. Good. You leave. It was so good you don't remember it. I like that. <laughs> you know? And believe it or not, this is a real treat. We actually have the mother of the person that delivers us Mexican food. Uh, that's actually true. Uh, Jen, uh, Jen Romaro is a famous comedian, uh, personality commentator, and PR specialist. It's great to see you, Jen. Thank you. It's great to see you. You've never been hypnotized. No, I haven't. Okay. Well, uh, John, the floor is yours. Okay. For safety purposes, like I said before, put your feet flat on the floor, put your imaginary airline safety belt, we can put that away for you, because <laughs> probably not going to need that right away. 
And what I want you to do is put your airline safety belt on so you don't fall out of the chair and stay nice and safe. I'd rather have you fall on me than land on the floor. Okay, so what I want to do is a couple of little quick things with you just to get you guys nice and softened up a little bit, get you used to fooling around, have a good time. You guys ready for a good time? You ready for some fun? Okay. Here's what I want you to do. Pick up your hand with your elbow. Make a gun with your fingers. Make a finger gun. Don't shoot yourself in the head. You can aim it away a little bit. No, 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 no. Over here. Yeah, shoot at the audience. or They're not going to get hit this video. Okay. All right. Now, pick your hand, elbow up, lazy bones. There we go. Okay. Now, look at your gun. Look at me. Look at your gun. Look at me. Your gun. Me. Your gun. Me. Look at your gun. Look at me. Gun. Me. Gun. Me. Now, make a circle. Look at your circle. Me. Circle. Me. Circle. Me. Circle. Me. Circle. Me. Now, quick, 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 quick. Touch your chin. Touch your chin. You see, your chin is down here. Uh-huh. Unless you're him and you're cheated. By a round of applause, you all got it wrong. That's terrific. Terrific. Give yourself a round of applause. Um, this other one I'm going to do is something I came up with from grammar school, of all things. I just want to see how well you respond and that kind of thing. Okay. So I'm going to throw a couple of things out at you and just respond verbally, okay? If um, I'm having a cola, it's not a Pepsi, it's a... Coke. Right. If somebody tells you a funny story with a punchline, it's called a... Joke. Uh, somebody is having a cigarette, which I help them stop doing on the clinical end. They're having a... Smoke. The white part of an egg is called the... Yeah, yeah. No, the answer we're looking for is albumin. Oh, what is oh, albumin? <laughs> I love that Alex Trebek moment I'm having in honor of his passing, you know? So basically, hypnosis, again, is just something I get to, to relax with and that kind of thing. And you'll, your ears continue to work. You may slump forward a little bit. And it's okay to touch you on the wrist. I, we covered that before. All right. So, may I hypnotize you first? Yes. Okay. Get your arm out of the way. Take all the power out of this arm. Loosey-goosey in the arm. There's a loosey-goosey. You know, about seven years ago, Schwarzenegger's official Twitter page contacted me for friendship. I went in for a, do- a knock on the door in my home in Staten Island. Hello, smart guy. Open the door. All right. Here's what I want you to do. Follow my fingers with your eyes and with your head and let your head drop down. And I'll make you feel like I had a one-hour nap and a two-hour back rub. Is that a fair treat? Stare at my fingers like you're trying to inhale them into your mind. With your eyes and with your head and with your eyes and with your head, head dropping down and down and down and down. Sleep, five, four, three, two, one. Drifting, floating, dreaming, rocking, relaxing. Every rock, every tap, 85 bazillion times. Deeper and further, further and deeper. The deeper you go, the better you feel. Drifting, floating, dreaming. As I double tap this area, it feels like you've had a one-hour nap and a two-hour back and foot rub. Manny, you're on top of the world. Nod your head, yes, you feel terrific. All the energy and stress is leaving your body. You're feeling absolutely wonderful and miraculous. Anytime I say sleep, you're back in hypnosis. Anytime I say sleep to you, your inner actress comes out ready to perform and be terrific. Your inner comedian comes out ready to have the best time ever, nodding your head yes. On the count of three, you sit up in that chair. If I show you my wristwatch, it makes you smile, it makes you giggle, it makes you laugh, laugh, laugh like a little girl. It makes you feel terrific. One, two, three, sitting up, 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 up. Hair out of your eyes. How you doing? Good. That didn't hurt too bad, right? No. Have you seen my funny, funny wristwatch? <laughs> <laughs> Would that normally be funny to you? But no. it is now, though, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Round of applause for her. Give her a little happy, happy. Here we go. See, now, nothing to worry about. You just saw what happened with her, right? Now, this is why I'm the transmitter. Again, this is ice cold. I didn't warm anybody up for this show. I just came in here ice cold and did this. Your safety belt is on. Your name is? Danielle. That's correct. Nice to meet you again. <laughs> and Danielle once gave away a kidney to a coworker. She what? She once gave a kidney away to a coworker. Her own. God bless you, because I've had some kidney issues in the past myself. Take all the power out of this arm. Like a dead fish, a wet rat. Put it all the way down. 
Take no power in that arm at all. That keeps you safe. Stare at my finger. Stare at my finger harder, 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 like you're trying to inhale it. It's coming down, it's coming down, it's coming down. Sleep. Five, four, three, two, one. Drifting, floating, dreaming, rocking, relaxing. Every rock, every tap. 85 bazillion times deeper and further, further and deeper. The deeper you go, the better you feel. Drifting, floating, and dreaming, drifting, floating, and dreaming. As I double tap this area, it feels like you've had a one-hour nap and a two-hour back and foot rub. Manny, you're on top of the world. Nod your head, yes, that feels terrific. And a count of three, you sit up in that chair. When I show you my wristwatch, you and her will start laughing because it's going to be terrifically funny to you. It's the silliest, funniest thing you ever saw. Every time I say sleep, you're back in hypnosis. Once you're wide awake, feeling absolutely terrific. How you doing? Good, thank you. Have you seen my funny, funny wristwatch? <laughs> <laughs> He's wondering what's so funny. We're going to get to him next. Remember, applause for her. That took guts. Thank you very much. Um, okay. Have you, been, you said you were hypnotized before on this cruise ship? Yeah. Put it, that's by your wife. You can put it over here by her. You know, yeah. she's whole family, you know. Yeah. I see you work out. Let all the power out of this arm. Let it be like a dead fish rag, okay? Whatever that means. Right. You're almost there anyway, dude. Just follow my finger with your eyes and with your head. Follow, follow, follow. When you drop down, your ears continue to work. Follow, 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 follow. All the way down. Sleep. Five, four, three, two, one. Drifting, floating, dreaming, rocking, relaxing. Every rock, every tap. Eighty-five bazillion times. Deeper, further, further, and deeper. The deeper you go, the better you feel. Drifting, floating, and dreaming. You're on top of the world feeling awesome. You've had a one-hour nap, a two-hour back and foot rub. Every time I say sleep really loud to you, you're going right back into hypnosis. When I show you my wristwatch, it seems so funny. You want to laugh and snort and giggle. It feels just happy, happy, laugh, laugh when you see my watch. You and I, great good friends, with me to the end of this performance on this TV show. One, two, three, wide awake, feeling absolutely terrific. Have you seen that watch? Yeah. <laughs> Round of applause for him. I took cuts. I've heard you on the radio and stuff. You were awesome. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. This is very warm here with this jacket on for you. I can yeah, feel yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, All right. Stare at my finger. When I drop my finger, drop your head and go in. Sleep. Five, four, three, two, one. <sighs> Drifting, floating, dreaming, rocking, relaxing. Every rock, every tap, 85 bazillion times. Deeper, further, further, deeper. The deeper you go, the better you feel. You feel like you've had a one-hour nap, a two-hour back and foot rub. I'm going to increase that later on as you stay with me. You're going to feel even more terrific when this is over. And all issues in your life that's ever stood in your way, you rise up above and you become the mighty, mighty person who overcomes and overwhelms anything that stands in your way. You are dynamic. You are unstoppable. You are mighty. Your inner comedian, your inner actor is coming out to the surface in a few moments, and you're going to be awesome. Whenever I show you my wristwatch, it just makes you crack up, giggle, smile, laugh, all the way up, feeling absolutely terrific. One, two, three, wide awake. How are we doing, man? You dropped like a ton of bricks. Have you seen that? <laughs> Round of applause for each other. That's a good thing. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to simply put yourself back into hypnosis with me. This is very simple. What I want you to do is put your hands out like this, like you're hugging skinny grandparent, and uncross your feet, flat on the floor. Now do this. Now I'm just messing with you. Don't do that. What I want you to, I'm having fun. I don't know about you guys, but I know I'm having fun. Everybody's smiling. You've all seen this watch, so it's a good thing. On the count of three, I want you to interlace your fingers. Don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. That's interlaced fingers. On the count of three. One, two, two and a half. Wait for it. One, two, two and a half. Two and three quarters. Two and seven, eighteen, chain three. Now, what I want you to do is to make a V with your index fingers. Make a tight fist. You're a superhero punching through a wall. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Superhero punching through a wall. Straighten those arms out there. Buddy, come on. Be the mighty Thor. Be the mighty whatever you are. Okay. Now. Put your hands out like this, okay? Now, on the count of three, on the count of three only, make a V with your index fingers. Uh, don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. This is what a V looks like, okay? This would be an X. That's the day in school you missed, okay? So, on the count of three, put your V out with your fingers. One, two, three. Make a V. Now, on the count of three, I want you to rotate those fingers up in front of your face, and as they magnetize together, you'll drop into deeper hypnosis. I'll deepen it for a few minutes, and then we'll start the comedy stuff. We'll have a great time. One, two, two and a half. Wait for it. You guys are getting better. And three. Stare at the space between your fingers. Stare at the space between your fingers. As you begin to do that, take a deep breath in. 
Let it out slow and close your eyes and ah, closing those eyes. And you'll be able to stop those fingers from coming in. Take a deep breath in. And as you exhale, close those eyes and ah, closing those eyes. And as you do, your entire body is feeling dreary, drowsy, weary, or dreary, feeling absolutely wonderful and on top of the world, all the way down. Take another deep breath and imagine those fingers are magnetizing, coming together, coming together. And as they do, they'll create a circuit of relaxation. My touch, my hands, my fingers on you will relax you 85 bazillion times. My life force, my chi, my ki, my prana will relax you all the way down. And as you do, you'll just drop down into a nice restful state and you're going to feel absolutely terrific as we do a bit of a show here and you're gonna have a great time. Take another deep breath and let those fingers just come together. The more you fight it, the more it begins to happen. One, deep breath in. Two, deep breath out. Ah. And let your body begin to relax and go down into sleep, 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 all the way down. And let your body go into sleep, 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 all the way down. Let those hands come apart, drifting, floating, dreaming, rocking, relaxing. Every rock, every tap, 85 bazillion times, deeper and further, further and deeper. The deeper you go, the better you feel. Drifting, floating and dreaming, drifting, floating and dreaming, all the way down, all the way down. As I count from 1 to 10, we make your hypnosis 85 850,000 times deeper on every word, every breath, every heartbeat. Let those arms just relax. Let the body of yours relax. Let it all just come out. Super relaxed, super calm, super on top of the world. Now, you may be wondering what my daytime job is. Maybe my daytime job also includes that of being a Hollywood movie agent. And I'm looking for two people from this show, possibly in your imagination, for a movie contract worth $85 million. $85 million can be yours right now if you nod your head yes like crazy on the count of three. On the count of three, nod that head yes like you want $85 million. One, two, three. Yes, 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 yes. Really do it good so they can see in the back. Yes, 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 $85 million. Yes, 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 yes. Good. Now, what we're going to have to do is have you pass your Hollywood movie screen test. So on the count of three, I want you to sit up in that chair with your eyes closed. and your mind's eye and your imagination, even if I have to help you sit up, I want you to visualize, sense, think about, notice, picture, imagine, even know that your subconscious mind is going to help you visualize and see the funniest cartoon movie in the world. It's going to get sillier and funnier and funnier and sillier. The more you laugh, the greater your chances of winning the $85 million imaginary prize. Nod your head yes if you want $85 million. Yes, 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 yes. Good. So on the count of three, sit up in that chair. One, sitting up, 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 eyes closed. Two, up, 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 staying in hypnosis, eyes closed. And three, it's getting funnier and funnier and funnier and funnier. It's the funniest cartoon you ever saw. It's getting funnier and funnier and funnier and funnier. It's getting funnier and funnier and funnier and funnier. Eyes are closed. Funny, 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 funny. Now as I count from one to three, it's eighty-five thousand times funnier. Funnier, 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 dropping down all the way down deeper and further further and deeper all the way down the smart ones are doing the best three deeper and further two all the way down one 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 now on the count of three you're coming home from that school bus trip that took you to that movie you're wearing a winter hat winter parka winter gloves winter coat winter shoes winter everything and winter underwear, winter socks, winter boots. The temperature on the bus has become a steamy 105 degrees. Your clothing will and must stay on for this bit. 
your eyes will stay closed. On the count of three, sit up and fan yourself like crazy. The temperature on the bus is super hot. One, sitting up, 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 two, up, 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 three, fan yourself. Hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. Both hands. Hotter and 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 hotter. Eyes are closed. Hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. Or keep them open if you feel like it. Hotter and 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 hotter and
It might be something like Star Trek's Klingon. It might be some other language from Star Wars or some other movie you've seen. It could be something you've made up. It might be Martian or Moon language. I don't know. On the count of three, if I tap you on the shoulder, read the news and the traffic in whatever language you can do. If I ask you to translate it to English, you'll be able to do it. I'm going to grab you one at a time, sitting up in that chair, getting ready to read the news. Hair out of your face. Go. Read the news. Go ahead. You're doing great. Nergier, Regez, Krikars, Gurgol, Gurgover, New York. Freeze. What does that mean? This is the news, and there's cars all over New York. Back to the language. Go. Uh, <laughs> Sleep all the way down. Drifting, floating, dreaming, staying safe in the sea. <laughs> Sitting up, up, up in the chair. Give me the language. Alien language. Read the news, traffic, and weather. Go. And tapping you on the head, it means what? It was uh, not that cold out today, but I still wore a jacket, and there is cars outside, just like she said. Okay, she's got a whole diatribe sleep all the way down. <laughs> Sitting up in that chair, reading it in whatever language you want, go. And tapping you on the head, it means what in English? Oh, uh, there was an accident on the Brooklyn Bridge and a backup for miles. And what's the weather going to be in alien language? Go. And what does the weather mean in English? Sunny but cold. Okay, and sleep, head dropping down, all the way down. Sitting up in that chair, alien language, go. Zabadoo, 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 zabadoo. Obviously. Zabadoo. Obviously. And tapping you on the side of your head, it means what? It means today already your presence in town, and he's causing a lot of traffic. Nothing new there in New York, right? Sleep all the way down. Drifting, floating, dreaming, drifting, floating, dreaming, drifting, floating, dreaming. Now on the count of three. If you're a boy, you're a girl. If you're a girl, you're a boy. On the count of three, sit up in that chair. You may be sitting around that water cooler. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Just talk about whatever you talk about around the water cooler. These first two people are now gentlemen, not ladies anymore. Talk about whatever you got to talk about. And on the count of three, one, two, three, go. Did you watch the sports last night? I was going to talk about sports, too. What did you watch? I just, the Thanksgiving f- football was on. Oh, football? Yeah, what about you? I wanted to go play golf. Oh, what did you think of the cheerleaders on that sports game, huh? There was something or what? They were hot. They were hot? What did you think of them? <laughs> what did you think of them? I don't remember them, but I do remember watching the football and saying, hey, let's all play some football. Terrific. One, two, three, sleep and sleep and sleep. Now on the count of three, you're a couple of ladies standing around the water cooler in the office talking about whatever happened last night. Your body position will reflect that as well. One, two, three. Go ahead. What happened? Mm-hmm. Talk. I don't remember what happened last night. I got to bed early. <laughs> okay. Oh, I was back at the grocery store, and that guy behind the counter was hitting on me again. And you know what? I brought him back. And I made him wash all my vegetables. That's terrific. And how did you react to that when they did that? Oh, well, then, then, then he cleaned my pipes. What? I see. Yeah. So he's also a plumber, I understand. Put your feet yes. flat on the floor, please. And sleep, sleep, sleep. This is a family show. Let's not get too crazy with this stuff. This is not Las Vegas, but it is going all over the world. Um, feeling absolutely terrific. Now on the count of three, on the count of three only. They want to see you make some noises. Hollywood wants to use you for sound effects. So on a count of three, whatever I ask you to sit up, I want you to be as loud as you can about this. On a count of three, I want you to sit up and first give me the sound of a police car. One, sitting up, 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 eyes closed. Two, up, 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 eyes closed. Up, 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 eyes closed. Up, 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 eyes closed. And three, as loud as you can, be a police car. Go. Louder. Freeze. Now give me the sound of an ambulance. Go. Rear, rear, rear. 
Ambulance, Lyra, come on, kill it. Now, I want to hear a New York City fire truck. Remember, the siren plus the air horn. Uh-uh. On a count of three, be as loud as you can. Fire truck, save people's lives. Go. Freeze. Now, on a count of three, I want to hear noises like a kitty cat. Be a kitty cat. Go. Now be the sound of a tiger. Big kitty cat, go. I love her hands. Oh, you're on radio. you got to watch the video version of this. Use your claws. It's okay. Freeze. Now I want you to be a little doggy barking. One, two, three, go. Bark. Yep. 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 Now be a big doggy barking. Howl at the moon if you want to. Go. Ice cold, as you see it here, freeze. On a count of three, let's jump to the next thing. On a count of three, I want you to play the part. Japanese people are interested in the production of Godzilla. They might want to use your voice for the Godzilla. So on a count of three, remember, Godzilla has a big, giant body, big legs, head, tail, tiny little arms. It spits fire, makes a lot of noise, scared Japan, loud as you can. One, two, three, go. Uh, uh, so, I have a Japanese Godzilla. <laughs> I won't step on your face. Japanese Godzilla. <laughs> louder, 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 louder. Spitfire. Free. Godzilla. Now be a typical New Yorker yelling at cars that are coming, coming past you too quick as you're trying to cross the street. Just give them no curse words. Mm. Just give them the usual scream. Hey, what are you doing? Let's go. One, two, three. Come on. Oh, hey, I'm nice. standing over Drive. here. Drive. What, what are you doing? doing? What are you doing? What are you got a problem with something? What's wrong with you? You over there. Freeze. Feeling absolutely wonderful and terrific. Right now, if this was a live show, I'd have people like freaking out in the audience. Feeling absolutely terrific. Um, let's see. Off the top of my head here. On the count of three, on the count of three, on the count of three only, um, you guys are firing laser pistols at little UFOs the size of dinner plates on the ceiling. Protect the people in the studio and in this room. Shoot them down with your laser pistols. One, two, three. Shoot them down. Shoot them down. Make laser pistol noises. Make, make laser pistol noises. Make it nice and loud. It turns out they don't like bells. There's a bell right there with a rope. Grab the rope and ring the bell really loud. Put the... The big bell. Come on, bong. A big bell, not a little one. Feeling absolutely terrific, absolutely wonderful on top of the world. If anybody's watching this on video, this is ice cold. I set nothing up in advance. This guy's eyes are open, but he's still in hypnosis. He's doing terrific. Just let your eyes close and go to sleep, 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 sleep. Now on the count of three, to wrap this up, I guess, we're at that point. On the count of three, I want you to make loud air guitar noise. First of all, play drums on your thighs. Play drums on your thighs like you're in Madison Square Garden. Show rock bands how it's done. One, two, three, play. Now make simple noises with your mouth at the same time. Simple noises. Now put the drumsticks down, grab your guitar, make guitar noises, wail, air guitar, let's make it happen, make noise, rock this house, let's go, rock this house. <laughs> 
Come on, work it. Come on, work it. Come on, work it. One, two, three. Sleep. 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 Sleep all the way down. Feeling absolutely terrific, absolutely on top of the world, truly amazing. In these moments you have rocked, in these moments you have relaxed, in these moments you are feeling terrific. You and I, great good friends, whenever we see each other, feeling absolutely terrific and on top of the world, you're feeling mighty and empowered. As I double tap this area, you've had a nine-hour nap and a seven-hour back and foot rub, sleeping peacefully through the night, staying in hypnosis with me for just a few more moments. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, you are certain, serene, and sure that the best moments of your life happen tomorrow because all of a sudden when you dream tonight, happy, pleasant dreams, super happy, pleasant dreams will guide you into your best tomorrow. And when you wake up, all the stuff that you've wished to accomplish, want to accomplish, or been putting off for a long time seems to make sense to do. You rise up to be a shining star in your life, in your world, in your universe. You are unstoppable anything you put your mind to. Maybe it's writing a book. Maybe it's taking on a project. Maybe it's getting a raise or an upgrade in what you're doing. Maybe it's taking your business to the next level. I don't know. Maybe it's being the person you've always wanted to be and being lighter about your life on yourself, loving yourself like never before. Nod your head yes, that's all true. You're feeling mighty, empowered, and inspired. On the count of five, you're back to this room feeling terrific. Whenever I say trance master, my stage name, you scream out best hypnotist ever at the top of your lungs. That just makes me happy to hear that. Whenever I say ABC, you scream out ABC rules because we're on ABC radio and video. On the count of three, you're back feeling terrific halfway, but you were inspired to greatness halfway through, and you can actually feel a shift and an upgrade in your heart and your mind to make you feel absolutely amazing. You're going to feel like your heart is lit up and there's light glowing out of your face. A harmony of heart and mind is wisdom, and you find that balance within yourself, keeping the small stuff small and empowering yourself to great new heights. One, you're sitting up, 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 coming back to the room, feeling absolutely terrific, keeping your eyes closed until the count of five. Two, you're halfway back almost, but not quite, feeling absolutely reset, returned, rejuvenated, feeling absolutely amazing and truly terrific, as if this is the best time of your life, because the best times of your life begin right now and forever into the rest of your life. Three, halfway back, you're on top of the world, smiling, giggling, laughing when I bring you back, feeling truly amazing. My shoes, my wristwatch make you laugh, giggle, and cry out with laughter. The funniest thing you've ever seen, if I point at it only, if I do it, my watch and my shoes and my funny red pen make you smile, giggle, and laugh. Four, almost all the way back, you've had a nine-hour nap, a seven-hour back and foot rub, peacefully sleeping through the night. Tomorrow, the best chapter of your life begins. Nod your head, yes, you know that to be true. It's unstoppable, not because they say so, but because you're going to make it happen. Your creativity is now open and enhanced. You are unstoppable, loving yourself in the best of ways. And five, opening your eyes, wakey, 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 eggs and bakey, like I always do in my shows. First name? Jen. First name? Danielle. Name? Rich. Name? Stephen. Name? Rich. I just wanted to hear him say it twice. You guys, give yourself a round of applause for the work you just did. That was absolutely ice cold, no rehearsal, no prep, nothing. I just put them out. How are you guys feeling? Good. Have you seen my funny, funny wristwatch or these crazy <laughs> shoes I'm wearing? Have you seen these? <laughs> How about this funny, funny, silly red pen of mine? And, you know, I love being the trance master. Yay! Trance master. <laughs> trance master is what? The best. Thank you very much. I think you're pretty great, too. Um, <laughs> And I love coming here on ABC. Oh, ABC Rules. ABC, ABC what? Woo. You can do your arms. ABC what? Rules. ABC what? Rules. Rules. ABC. Rules. I've been listening to this station since I'm a small kid, 
And this thing has been an amazing experience for me. I hope it was for you, too. Lots of love from my heart to all you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Steve. Rich, how are you feeling? I feel pretty good. You, uh, mm -hmm. How much do you remember from the last few minutes? I feel like I remember most of it. Do you, do you remember that part where you were running down the aisles uh, doing somersaults with no clothes on? I don't believe that happened. How do you feel, Steve? I feel uh, I, I was definitely a little tired coming in here. I definitely feel a little more upbeat and relaxed and uh, more confident about myself. Have you seen this? Yes. <laughs> How are you doing, Danielle? I'm doing well as well. Um, I'm feeling a little warm. Warm. Well, well, the lights are doing it. How about you, Jen? Energized. Energized. I love it. All right. Energized. We're, 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 we're going to do a recap with uh, John Cerbone in just a minute. We'll tell you where you can see and hear more of John in the future. This is the other side of midnight. I don't know what it sounded like on radio, but to watch it firsthand was absolutely delightful. And uh, you could see John Cerbone at Z2 on December 9th. We're going to continue here on uh, the other side of midnight straight ahead. Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Welcome back to the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. If you're just tuning in, uh, we have been really enjoying a special treat this hour. My old friend, master hypnotist and master trance master, John Serbone, has been talking to us a little bit about hypnotism, and he actually went so far as to hypnotize four friends of mine, four people that uh, he never met before in his life and who would have no, in, no interest in going along with any sort of shenanigans or anything. I was absolutely astounded that those four folks, you never met them before, you didn't really do much of a, a prep with them before you started, and yet they all seem to fall into pretty deep hypnosis right away. Yeah, I've invented as of um, last week, I'm up to 115 inductions that work this quickly. I've reinvented how that got done. Years ago at some of the hypnosis conventions, some of the old guys were real nice old men, friendly people, older ladies too, great people. But there was a couple that wouldn't teach you certain things. So I saw some guy doing a faster induction, and when I first got trained, I was told it took 25 minutes. Don't miss a period, don't miss a comma, breathe, do this, whatever, pause. Stupid. Um, and on the way home from that convention, when the guy wouldn't teach me, true story, a truck flipped over on I-90, and they couldn't get on the highway back from Massachusetts or New, or New Hampshire, I forget where it was. And I got stuck on I-95, and as I approached Mystic, Connecticut, my mind subconsciously was working. As I got off the, I said, I got to write this down. I got off the exit at Mystic, Connecticut. I wrote down the first one. So now I had 80 suggestion scripts I had published at that point, and I had one of this. And for marketing, you can't have 80 of this and one right. of that. So then I, it took me nine months to come up with another one. Now they're just like boom, boom, boom. That's terrific. And if you notice, I did a different approach on every single one. I know. One. I did notice. Now, did the way that the four folks that were up here, Jen, Danielle, Rich, and Steve, did the way that each of them reacted to the things that you were saying and the things that you were doing, did that change your approach in dealing with them at all? Um, yeah, if I see them reacting in a certain way and I can bring out more of it, I'll bring it out. If I see they're low reactive on a certain thing, I'm going to jump to something else and get more reaction out of them because it's about entertainment when I do it this way. And again, if they go to my uh, website, I have two websites, but there's a link to the clinical one. But if you go to worldfamoushypnotist.com, that's worldfamoushypnotist.com, 
you can take a look at the events, you can look at different things, but there's also a link to my YouTube where you can see me doing this Absolutely. all over the it's world. Absolutely, it's really something. I have it in Europe, I have it in Las Vegas, New York, Texas, you name it, I'm doing it. And it's uh, December 9th at Z2. All the information is on the website, worldsgreatesthypnotist.com. It's a, a tremendous show. People should definitely take advantage world of it. Worldfamoushypnotist.com. <laughs> Worldfamoushypnotist.com. Before they go to somebody else's website. Yeah, exactly. You know? Worldfamoushypnotist.com. Um, quick question. One is, you know, I was standing there on the stage. Now, I wasn't following the visual cues of uh, w looking at the space between fingers and things like that, but I'm hearing the same instructions that you're giving to everybody else. Why did I not fall under hypnosis, and why did the people listening to us on the radio not fall under hypnosis? Um, well, for starters, they weren't following my fingers. That's mm -hmm. the reason I use that on an approach with what I did, because um, I don't want to do a verbal thing that's going to put the entire audience into hypnosis if they're driving a car, for example. I did a radio show, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago here in, in Manhattan, and I would do these relaxation techniques, and I'd be like, if you're driving a car, pull over, take the keys out of the ignition, whatever it was. So I did stuff that was more conducive to what we were doing here. Got it. To get them into hypnosis. And again, I wasn't aiming it at you. If I was, you would have been on the floor gurgling. Got it. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But I'm that's not... like, what do they call that, Tuesday? In your life? <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, at least. Hey, um, so is there anything we can do to hypnotize the audience to make sure they listen to all four hours of this radio program each and every day? Um, I can basically give you a suggestion that as much as you had fun with this, you'll have fun with all the other segments that you're going to program. And let's face it, everybody wants to have a little bit more fun. As a matter of fact, the Cindy Lauper made a career out of singing. Girls just want to have fun. <laughs> so for the girls and the boys, you want to have fun. This is the guy to come to. Thank you. That's very kind. Uh, I mentioned yesterday when I was previewing your appearance that I had tried to do this uh, stage hypnosis maybe about uh, 24, 25 years ago. And I... I, it with somebody else. Yeah, with someone else. Okay. And it really didn't, it really didn't uh, take to me. And I'm wondering why that is. Is it because, I know you said the more intelligent you are, the more creative you are, the deeper you fall into hypnosis. Is because of a lack of intelligence no, and creativity no, no, on my no, part? No, 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 It has to do with some people just don't have it concentration-wise that night. I've done shows where I'm like at a casino or Meaning a ship or something. Meaning hypnotist or the person, the subject? The subject, the uh -huh. person I'm working with. So let's say... I'm on a cruise ship someplace. Let's say I'm at a casino in Las Vegas or something. I'll have somebody come up, and they don't do so well the first night, okay? All right, because I do testing. There's a lot of some stuff I did at the beginning about your fingers and stuff. Um, I make the whole audience do that, and I see who does better who doesn't. I've had people who don't do well the first night, and the second and third night, they come up on the stage, they're my superstars. Because we all have days when we're stressed out about something or we're more creative or we're more thinking and concentrating and other days where we're not doing all of that stuff. Are there certain people that just can't be hypnotized? As long as you're over four years old, although I've hypnotized three-year-olds, uh, as long as you're mentally healthy, not paranoid, schizophrenic, psychotic, other, you know, various mental illnesses, as long as... Um, you're able to focus, concentrate, and follow directions, and are not dead. That's a big one. But if they come <laughs> into quit smoking or lose weight, I'm very good with that. I mean, it's just hard getting in Staten Island humor, you know, stuffing them back in the trunk of the car is challenging. <laughs> but otherwise, everybody has to be hypnotizable because it's the way your brain is designed by the Almighty, or however you see that, to recycle the energy and take your stress levels down. If you're not going into hypnosis on a regular basis, there's some studies that indicate that I've, re I've been given and read that say that it leads to mental imbalances because the stress levels stay too high. You, you alluded to the fact that when you were young, you created a self-hypnosis uh, technique. So people can hypnotize yes, themselves. Everything, everything theoretically is self-hypnosis because even if I'm guiding you into hypnosis, now there's a bit of a bump in the road when they explain this in, in training. 
Self-hypnosis is you do something to put yourself into hypnosis. But so if I lead you into hypnosis, that's called heterohypnosis. However, by virtue of the fact that you're sitting in front of me and using me as the tool to hypnotize you, that's it's still self-hypnosis. Got it. Uh, got it. Now, so it's kind of like a little weird explanation, but that's how it is, actually. Uh, and what are some strategies that people may use self-hypnosis for in their own life? Is it about stress? Is it about self-improvement? Well, what when some... I do private session work, I have a series of top private sessions. People come to quit smoking. They come to lose weight, get a better night's sleep, overcome a breakup is huge. Mm. A lot of those. Uh, do better on testing. Um, reduce stress that you mentioned, uh, and a lot of other things. I've worked with a couple of kids who are doctor referrals for who stutter, for example. And it's amazing because when I bring them out of hypnosis, the stuttering is tremendously reduced right away. Wow. And over time, because I record live an MP3 audio file for them to go home and refer, you know, refresh themselves with, um, many of them just get over it. And uh, if you are someone, I remember I read a story about eight or nine years ago about a young person, I think a college student down in Florida, that was experimenting with self-hypnosis, and they actually got into a car accident, and uh, I think they, the person died because they had fallen asleep while driving. I mean, is yeah, that but, something but people need to be aware of? Sleep and hypnosis are two different things. If awake is on one side of the spectrum and sleep is on the other, hypnosis is somewhere in the middle. And if the person was putting themselves into hypnosis while they were driving a car, uh -huh. that or, or they closed their eyes while driving a car, uh -huh. you know, probably not the smartest thing Got you can do. So don't do that. If folks yeah, are the idea is be better than that. If you're going to do self-hypnosis, do it in the privacy of your bedroom, your living room, your recliner, you know, someplace where it's comfortable and you're alone. Got it. My guest has been John Serbone. Uh, see him uh, today in New Jersey. See him December 9th at uh, Z2 on Staten Island. You can go to John's website for all the latest information. The website WorldFamousHypnotist.com. That's WorldFamousHypnotist.com. Or go to the Transmaster channel on YouTube. And uh, a few people out there that may not have Internet, if they still want to get tickets to one of your shows, is there a good way for them to um, you can just contact me. You can contact me at 718-948-8623. Boy, you're in for it now, man. I'll, I'll tell well, you. Well, you know, hey, what's going to happen is going to happen. I'll leave you voicemails, right. and I'll be just digging out from now until Ex December. But I mean, exactly. Uh, John Cervone, a real treat to see you again. Thank you for doing this. You were delighted. it's a I tough hour. Next time a little sooner, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. This Absolutely. Too much fun. I'll see that. you again in 18 years, again. right? Uh, this is The Other Side of Midnight. If you want to comment on uh, any portion of my discussion with John Cervone or the demonstration that you just heard, Feel free to give me a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Until next hour, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Out of midnight, I'm Frank Moreno. This is a story that is a little bit more complicated than it seems. Now, I am someone that is constantly at conflict with myself in every area of life, but uh, part of that is in my diet because I am a seafood fanatic, I absolutely love shellfish. And I love uh, grilled octopus and uh, grilled uh, calamari and a variety of other crustacean. And the more we learn 
about things like octopus and squid, the more it's becoming clearer that maybe these foods are too intelligent to eat. And uh, the same has been said of lobster as well. Not necessarily about intelligence, but about the amount of pain that lobsters feel. So I am overcome with guilt by eating lobster. And I love looking for anything in life that can make me feel better about eating crustaceans, shellfish, and the like while still doing it. And so initially, I saw this story that Whole Foods was going to stop buying Maine lobster. And I saw the headline. I said, oh, great. You know, I still, as hardened as I am as a media critic, I still get kind of taken in by the headline from time to time until you read the actual article and then you realize there's more to it. I said, oh, man, that's great. I guess they must be doing something fishy, pardon the pun, with respect to the main lobsters, and maybe this will mean things will be better. And uh, the lobster that will end up at Whole Foods, not that I shop at Whole Foods, but the lobster that you end up with in grocery stores like Whole Foods, maybe it'll be better for everybody. So I was all set to commend them. I, I wrote them down on my commendation list, and then I actually read the article. And sure enough, there's a whole lot more to it. So Whole Foods is a grocery store, a big grocery chain, and they have said that they plan to stop buying Maine lobster, citing concerns from environmental groups that say endangered North Atlantic right whales, right, R-I-G-H-T, whales, have become entangled in fishing gear. This decision by Whole Foods has been met swiftly with a response from everybody in Maine. Every politician in Maine, the entire Maine congressional delegation, the two senators, the two members of Congress, the governor, and that includes Democrats, Republicans, and independents. And they are now united in opposition to what Whole Foods is doing. They are questioning the science behind it and urging Whole Foods to reverse course and resume buying Maine's storied crustacean. Here's what Whole Foods is saying, and I want to present this to you and then hear from you in terms of whether you think they're doing the right thing or not. Whole Foods said they made the decision in mid-November after two groups that it relies upon to certify the sustainability of its wild-caught seafood downgraded their ratings for Maine Lobster. So on the one hand, I'm reading this, I'm saying, okay, you got standards, you stick with them. And if these are the people that you trust, okay, they're saying this lobster is not safe, it's not sustainable, it's not uh, conscientious enough of the ocean enough for you, you stop buying it. One of those groups, the Marine Stewardship Council, announced on November 16th that it was suspending its certificate of sustainability for lobster from the Gulf of Maine amidst continuing concerns about the decline in the right whale population. North Atlantic right whales were nearly hunted to extinction by 19th century whalers. I think we covered that in Star Trek IV. And the latest preliminary estimate suggests that fewer than 350 remain. Now, that's serious. That's according to the National Oceanic and uh, Atmospheric Association. And they said that entanglement in fishing gear and vessel strikes were the leading causes of North Atlantic whale deaths. Whole Foods also cited something called Seafood Watch, 
which is part of the Monterey Bay Aquarium in California. And in September, that group, which monitors how seafood is harvested, assigned a red rating, not a red lobster rating, just a red rating, which is the worst rating they give to American lobster, warning consumers to avoid the seafood if it was caught with vertical ropes that can entangle right whales. Whole Foods sells wild-caught seafood only from fisheries that are certified by the Marine Stewardship Council or rated green or yellow by Seafood Watch. Whole Foods put out a statement. They said these third-party verifications, meaning Marine Stewardship Council and Seafood Watch, these third-party verifications and ratings are critical to maintaining the integrity of our standards for all wild-caught seafood found in our seafood department. So here's the plan now. Whole Foods has said that it is going to stop buying Maine lobster on December 15th, but that it was not pulling the product from stores at this time. The company added it was not singling out Maine lobster, but instead upholding a standard for responsible sourcing that it put in place for all wild-caught seafood 10 years ago. It said it would resume buying Maine lobster if either the Marine Stewardship Council or Seafood Watch changes their assessment. So Maine's congressional delegation puts out a joint statement saying we're disappointed by Whole Foods' decision and deeply frustrated that the Marine Stewardship Council's suspension of the lobster industry's certificate of sustainability continues to harm the livelihoods of hardworking men and women up and down Maine's coast. So where do you come down on this? Because here's what I found to uh, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. Here's what I found to be the most alarming part of the statement that the Maine congressional delegation put out. And I've, I've, I, w- I want to visit Maine, and I'm hoping to visit Maine one day, and I've heard nothing but great things about it. The statement, especially because they have ranked choice voting up there. I try to schedule all my vacations around ranked choice voting. The statement also said that the delegation recently appealed to retailers by pointing out that there had never been a right whale death attributed to Maine lobster gear. Now, think about that. These two groups are giving Maine lobster a poor rating because they're saying it could contribute to the death of right whales. But the the Maine people, I don't know what you call the Maine people that live in Maine, the Mainers, Mainanites, I don't know. But the Maine folks are saying they can't even point to a death that's attributable to Maine lobster gear. So does it make sense to hurt the livelihood of so many people that work in this industry in Maine when they're, they can't point to a single instance of a whale dying because of what Maine lobster catchers are doing. Curious how you feel about this. 800-848-9222. This letter also said that Mainers who fish for lobster had a 150-year history of sustainability and had consistently demonstrated their commitment to protecting right whales. I don't know if that's true. But it might be. 800-848-9222. Jane Davenport, who's a lawyer with the conservation group Defenders of Wildlife, said it was misleading for these politicians in Maine to say that no right whale deaths had been attributed to Maine lobster gear. She said most dead whales were found with unmarked ropes, making it difficult to know where the entanglement happened. Now, 
again, this is the problem with trying to form opinions about things that you're not an expert in. You're sort of beholden to what all the experts say. And here's an issue where you have experts on both sides of the issue that both seem to kind of know what they're talking about and make a very compelling case. So I don't know what the right thing to do is here. I don't know if we should be celebrating this Whole Foods decision or not. Uh, Ms. Davenport said she hoped that industry leaders, regulators, and others would adopt new technology that could allow lobster traps to be retrieved without a rope, remaining permanently suspended in the water where it can snag a passing whale. It does sound like this technology, this method of catching lobsters, could be harmful to whales and potentially other ocean life. 800-848-9222. In July, a uh, federal court sided with the Defenders of Wildlife and other conservation groups, finding that federal regulators had violated the Marine Mammal Protection Act when they issued rules last year aiming aimed at protecting right whales from lethal entanglements. The court also found that federal officials had violated the Endangered Species Act, another landmark law that protects right whales. So I don't know where I come down on this, but I thought it was interesting and I suspect there are some very heated feelings on both sides. So we're going to give you an opportunity to be heard here. 800-848-9222. Chris is in Manhattan. Hello, Chris. Oh, I wish I was hypnotized now. So stressful. You know, you can't eat and be happy, blah, blah, blah. Nonetheless, I, I called because I was told, and I forget why or what, that I I don't need to set an alarm clock. I can tell myself when I need to get up, and I don't need an alarm clock, no matter what. And I was told that I could be hypnotized really easily because I can control my brain that way. And I was wishing that your guy, you had a Q&A with, with, with your audience, so... I could have asked them that, so you can't answer that. But Well, you know, I do have some literature that if you email me, I can send you that uh, that does uh, offer some people that have had success with that. But uh, I've read about that, and I think it's sort of, uh, I think it's sort of hit and miss. But we'll have uh, John back in the future and uh, take some questions from uh, from the audience on this. All right. I just wanted to say that, you know, if you can control your brain – then someone else can, which is not, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, there is this whole school of thought um, that um, you could basically hypnotize yourself to form an association in your subconscious mind between waking up fully alert and the sound of your alarm clock. But I don't think you can skip the alarm clock entirely. But again, I, I'm not I can't even going to try that. That's frightening. I just need to get up in the morning. All I don't right, need Chris. to. My, yeah, All yeah. But email me. Right. I'll send you something on this. I, I don't need it. Thank you. Okay. All right. Oh, great. I'm good. Bye bye. And, and seafood, watch out for the mercury. That's all. All right. Is there mercury in lobster as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is. How much about? Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, so, uh, absolutely, tuna fish and salmon. No, I, I've heard uh, that. I, I yeah. But the crustaceans—they're they're ground eaters, so you're getting probably even more. So really, I know I know cod that, has so. a lot, but yeah, no, you got to be careful. No doubt about it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. All right, bye. Yeah, Thanks. thank you. Bye. They say the fish with the least mercury, believe it or not, is anchovies, herring. 
oyster, shrimp, squid, scallops, uh, salmon, which I think we may make tonight, flounder, haddock, clam, and crab. And they say uh, lobster has sort of a moderate amount of uh, mercury. I, I can't speak to that. I, um, you know, I, you can't, like everything, right? I guess you got to enjoy things in in moderation, right? I mean, you, you can't get uh, too crazy. We know there's mercury in things. There's, there's, there's something in everything, right? You just can't, uh, you can't let yourself be paralyzed and afraid of eating everything. You got to make, I guess, the best choices that you can, given the circumstances. I'm going to link to this article in case you want to read it, on the uh, Whole Foods debate over the folks that uh, think Whole Foods is doing the right thing and the folks that think Whole Foods is doing the wrong thing. And I'm curious where you come down on this. If you want to read it, you can go to Facebook.com slash MoranoFan. That's Facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O-Fan. And if you want to comment, you could certainly do so at 800-848-9222. That's uh, 800-848-9222. We'll go through uh, some of the mail in just a moment. If you want to send me some snail mail, good old-fashioned snail mail, you can do so by uh, sending it to P.O. Box 1777. Uh, send it to my attention, Frank Morano, New York, New York. And then uh, I have to get the zip code for you. Um, lost internet, internet there for a second. But I will uh, – oh, yeah, the zip code is 10163. So P.O. Box 1777, attention, Frank Morano, New York, New York, 10163. Uh, but you can also just email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. I do look at just about every every one of these emails. So uh, if you – I don't always respond if it's not something that requires a response, but I at least look at everything. And I usually do respond if it's something that is – unless it's just a, a comment that requires clearly no response – if it's a question or something along those lines, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Or how do you do this? Or where can I find this? Then I try to respond. But I did link to that article if you want to check it out. Uh, this this particular article is in The Guardian, but it's been widely reported elsewhere as well. It's uh, Facebook.com slash Morano fan. We're on Twitter as well, at Frank Morano. Edward is in St. James. Hello, Edward. Hello, sir. Um, I've done some marine studies, and I watch these shows where they catch um, – lobsters, like in the Bering Straits, and they go where it's plentiful. Now, I find it hard to believe that a whale can get strung up with one rope because you've got the the, um, the marker for the trap floating on top, and you've got the cage on the bottom. So how is that possible that a whale could get hung up in that? And as far as the... Uh, as far as what, Edward? You, got, you broke up a second there. I'm sorry. As far as the radiation, it's on the the higher order because they feed on the, the smaller um, species that it's it's increased in them the radium the, and uh, what well, well, is that the same as mercury? The, the mercury. I'm sorry, it's probably not, but um, that's um, it's along the same um, poisonous lines. And then you know what? Who eats all that? We do. So we get you know we get the worst of it. Yeah. Well, they say the fish with the highest mercury levels are shark, swordfish, uh, somebody mentioned tuna, um, marlin, tilefish, and mackerel. And then right beneath that, not the highest mercury, but high mercury, they say you should eat three servings or less per month, are sea bass, yellowfin tuna, 
mackerel, uh, Spanish mackerel or grouper. Boy, that is scary. Thank you, Edward. They're saying you should only eat three servings or less per month of Chilean sea bass. So, And they're saying you should avoid eating these types of fish, period. I don't eat shark. Uh, shark, swordfish. I do like swordfish. Well, this has been one depressing segment. That phone call from uh, Chris changed my life for the negative. I'm, I may have to swear off swordfish now. And um, the one with the highest, the tuna with the highest mercury, it's not all types of tuna. It's ahi tuna, which I do eat. Maybe I'll have to stop. The, and high mercury, which they say you should get three servings or less per month, that's yellowfin tuna and canned albacore tuna. So uh, moderate mercury, that's lobster, that's mahi-mahi, that's monkfish. Uh, least mercury, anchovies, herring, oysters, clams, crab, shrimp. There you have it. Any questions, as uh, Ben Stein would say? All right. Um, we'll continue with your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. You want to write to me, you can. We're going to read through your letters in just a moment. Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. The B-52s, right? Rock Lobster. Um, you know, it's funny. There was a very funny family guy where they did, I think, an Iraq Lobster. That was pretty funny. I'm going to uh, try to do a digital creation of a Rock Lobster, an AI piece of AI art with the text prompt Rock Lobster. And uh, I'm going to post it to my Facebook page. Oh, eh, I don't love this. Looks kind of weird. Um, no, I'm not going to post that. Looks a l- l- little too freaky. Little too freaky for me. Uh, so forget that. Not posting it. But um, there you have it. You can feel free to. If you find me on, uh, I'm on Night Night Cafe Studio. You can see all the AI art that uh, I've created or that an, a computer has created with my text prompt. You could just search me at uh, Morano Vision. That's M O R. A-N-O Vision. Without further ado, there are a lot of folks that seem to want to communicate with me. Those include... Ah, yes, 
Yes, uh, let us begin with... Uh, this is from Ellen. Ellen writes, workplace, subject, workplace camaraderie and congratulations. Hi, Frank. Although I didn't work in an office, I'm a retired teacher. When I worked, I loved hanging out with my colleagues. For the most part, I liked them, and it was fun. <clears throat> and it made coming to work more pleasant. You know, it's funny that she says that. In my experience, observing teachers in all the schools that I was a student as, there was a tremendous degree of camaraderie amongst the faculty. So I'm not surprised to hear that. And, you know, I still see when it's the last day of school, wherever you go in neighborhoods near schools, bars, restaurants, wherever, they are partying like crazy, the teachers. They all get together. They have a good old time. Uh, We didn't do it all the time, but we'd often plan lunches and dinners out. And to this day, some of those teacher colleagues are some of my best friends, Staten Islanders, of course. And I want to wish you congratulations on your brother-in-law's marriage, a tip to make the plane ride easier for both Carmine as well as Rachel and you, and which you've probably heard before, is to make sure he sucks on a bottle for the ascent and descent. I don't think I had heard that, but uh, we will do that because obviously I I don't think I took a plane until I was about five. And would they tell you to chew gum, right? With that supposedly will help with the air pressure. And obviously he's not going to chew gum. So that might make sense to uh, use a bottle. We'll try it. This is from Jennifer. Subject, Destination Ocadians. Hey, Frank. Just happened to be awake to hear your segment on destination and fa- destination affairs. And they are a bit much. I came up with my own a few years ago. Destination Funeral. Joanne Jones Funeral Services, Christ Church, Barbados, date to be determined. Unfortunately, don't get to catch your show too much since hours have changed. Also, don't communicate as much anymore. Got tired of arguing with the algorithms about soul. Check. Send von Tent. I'm assuming she intended to write uh, about spell check and content. See what I mean? I think she was just joking. I'm not illiterate, but my phone keeps trying to make me that way. Anyway, happy birthday to baby Carmine. Hope you and Rachel are well. Let us know if you're ever out in the Rockaways. Sid lives about seven blocks from us. Well, that's not exactly a reason to visit, right? Uh, Be fun to see you again. I have met Jennifer and uh, her husband, Seamus, both great people. Anna writes, uh, what I'm currently interested in hearing about, Elon Musk and his Twitter mess. I feel like we talk about that a lot. Uh, Bankman Freed and his FTX collapse. We're actually working on a big crypto segment where this is one of the things we're going to uh, explore. Really, is there any way we can get rid of Mayor Adams? And finally, she writes, I like your latest racket report. Uh, Yeah, Anna, the the only way that Adams can be removed is by the governor. He has to be charged by the governor and the governor can remove the mayor. Uh, I wouldn't hold my breath on that happening. Otherwise, uh, you just have to uh, hope someone else runs in 2025 that you like better. And that that person is in a better position. Howard uh, on the writes on the subject of yesterday's show. Hi, Frank. I've emailed you in the past about how much I enjoy your show, although I only listen to the podcast for sleep reasons. Your guest last night, Dr. Jonathan Young, was fantastic. You know, I actually did get a lot of great feedback about Dr. Jonathan Young. As one of the following callers said, I believe his name was Robert, you could have him on for over an hour. And it would be extremely interesting and entertaining. By the, by the way, the caller, Robert, was very knowledgeable and articulate. Keep up the good work. Thanks for the podcast so I can sleep at night and still enjoy your show. By the way, special, again, 
plea to all the podcast people. I have heard from many of you that you're listening to the podcast still on 1.5 speed, 2 speed, 2.5 speed. Danielle, who was just here for the hypnosis segment, segment, she says she listens to the whole show on 1.5 or 2 speed. The only, the only time that she realizes something's amiss is when we play music. Because the music doesn't sound right. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Listen to the whole show at the speed it's intended. Otherwise, you know what I'm going to do? I am just going to start to speak very slowly. Because there's no cheating this show. No way. Uh, Jeff writes, subject, still laughing. Frank, the two Toms from the Bronx talking to each other was a classic. Hope to hear more like that in the future. Yeah, we, you know, Chris and the Catskills almost just called in. We were going to do a little Chris on Chris action when we had uh, Chris in Manhattan on the phone, but um, but we didn't. So there you have it. All right. Um, let me oh, let me go through a few of the um, correspondence in the Facebook group. Daniel posts this hypothesis segment is worse than the Governor's Island snoozer. snoozer. WTF was he thinking putting this crap on? By the way, Daniel, it is hypnosis, not hypothesis. Again, you can really always tell the people that don't like what I'm doing because they're unable to spell the right word. Those are, those are, I, I, I wear it as a badge of honor. Um, and uh, let's see here. What else do we have? Um, hey, by the way, speaking, if you ever want to join the Facebook group, you can. Morano Radio fans and haters. How do Joan Geller's comments keep getting approved? I am not approving her. I am not either. You, you know what? She must have. Um, she must have multiple accounts because I know sometimes I approve her when when she has a relevant subject, and other times the comments just end up there. It's like I, one out of ten is a relevant I, right, subject. Right, right. That's that's exactly right. You know what I think happened is she must have two Facebook accounts, and on one of them, either I I mistook her for someone else. Or she had a string of saying really on point things, and I must have given her pre approval. So um, I, uh, I, I that must be what it is because I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Bill Marco writes via SMS text message, and you can do so as well. Eight one six eight Morano. Frank, they sell headphones for babies that helps with the flight. My grandson wore them to California trip. I try to find out the name and if they have them lend to you. You know, Bill, we actually did buy those. Thank you. Uh, that's very kind of you. We actually did buy those, uh, the, those headphones. Thank you. Uh, the great Donna from Huntington writes, I'm hypnotized. LOL. You certainly are, Donna. Uh, thank you, as always, for, for listening on that front. And um, in terms of Juliana, one of our great Australian listeners, dear Frank, I wanted to take the opportunity to wish you, your beautiful wife, your gorgeous son Carmine, and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, take care and God bless. Yeah, I uh, got a lot of love for Carmine for his first birthday, including from uh, Mayor Giuliani. He was kind enough to make a nice Facebook comment, and he got a pair of shoes on, uh, you know, from my mom for uh, his birthday. And it's funny, I came from a tradition where whoever discovers his first teeth should get his shoes. Right, he'd get his first pair of shoes, and so his first pair, his first teeth were discovered by his babysitter, Lorraine, who's great and who does a wonderful job. And I mentioned this to her, and then you know, 
I couldn't tell if she heard me or not. So then a month or two later, I mentioned it again. I said, I'll give you the money. And she didn't end up getting it. So I hope this doesn't mean Carmine is going to be struck with bad luck. The fact that my mom got his first pair of shoes and not uh, and not the person who actually discovered his first his first teeth. But the reason I mention this is, so this kid uh, puts on his shoes for the first time. And what are we doing Saturday, last Saturday, as we're decorating for Christmas? Uh, no, last Sunday, as we're decorating for Christmas. Obviously, we have on the greatest Christmas album of all time, Shatner Claus. It's a great Christmas album from William Shatner. And I'm not kidding you. This kid starts dancing like crazy. He loves this William Shatner music. He loves the uh, William Shatner-Brad Paisley duet, Blue Christmas. He loves Shatner's version of uh, Jingle Bells, Shatner's version of Rudolph the Nose Reindeer. He's dancing like crazy. So I posted a photo on Twitter. You could see it, at Frank Morano. Um, he's standing at our record player, Carmine is, and he's dancing in these new shoes. That was the first thing. So I tweeted, uh, you could tell he's my son because the first day that he has shoes on, he's dancing to William Shatner. <laughs> uh, I, thought that was, uh, I thought that was funny. And Shatner liked the tweet, which was very nice. Anytime you can make uh, get on Shatner's radar screen. All right. Got a nice uh, message here on Twitter from Cheryl Clark. She writes, hello, are you looking for a part-time job to supplement your income? Congratulations. You've been invited by the Amazon platform to do a regular part-time job. Amazon platform is promoting you can work for Amazon platform at home. Oh, only need to work one hour, 15 to $200 per day. There's all sorts of typos in this. Whoever is typing this piece of spam is the same type of person that doesn't like some of the content we do. The number of places is limited. If you're interested, please contact me by clicking the link below. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Cheryl, but uh, I will not be clicking that link. I am going to be leaving that conversation. But thank you for the offer. I just I don't have the time at the moment. Let me squeeze in one more email here, um, a lot of people writing in with show suggestion, uh, segment suggestion titles for the Brian Kilmeade segment. And I'm going to go through these with Brian when he returns to the show on Thursday. So I won't spoil these for you. <laughs> There's some very creative ones here. All right. What last one I'll read. Uh, Jay in Little Neck writes, subject, your show's opening music. Hello, Frank. I really enjoy your show. What is the opening music just before your show starts? It is really amazing, and I have always wondered who does it. Thank you, Jay. Excellent question, Jay, and I do get this question pretty frequently. The first three hours, our top-of-the-hour theme is Enter Sandman by Metallica. Not only was that Mariano Rivera's entrance theme, not only was it Billy Wagner's entrance theme, but for years it was the uh, top of the hour theme for Tom Likas's radio show, as I've mentioned when Tom has been on the show. And um, our fourth hour, the song is the Swan Silvertones, I'm Not Tired Yet. So there you have it. All right. Uh, I think that about slams the lid on this edition of... Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Larry is on Long Island. Hello, Larry. Frank, you didn't mean to do it, but you have brought up a subject tonight. You have poured salt on a wound. I'm still healing from 
from Thanksgiving. I went to a gathering. The hosts are very, very, very busy people. We all decided where we're going to bring food. Everybody was going to make something. I went out days before, and I bought a whole bunch of live lobsters. Oh! I cooked them. I took the took the meat out of the shell, and I made a gorgeous lobster salad. I bought a whole bunch of buns. I bought the best butter on the planet, and I was going to bring the buns and the butter to the party, and we were going to toast the buns right there with the salad already prepared. Frank, some of the lobsters I overcooked. Oh, no. So what happened? If you overcook a lobster by just a minute or two, people, they were so nice, but I'm watching people as if they're chewing a whole package of bazooka bubble gum. I'm watching one woman just struggle. I mean, it looks like her dentures are ready to go, like fall out oh, of the Oh, no. And, and, but they were so nice about it. I knew. I, I ate it, and I said to myself, I want to leave. I just want to crawl away and die. It was, and I like to cook. I don't cook as much as I used to, but it's a big deal. Everybody was wonderful, but I'm telling you, there is nothing worse than overcooked seafood, especially a lobster or a shrimp, any kind of shellfish. You're you, dead in the water. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Hey, uh, was the lobster that you the, the lobsters that you made, which I think is a very appropriate Thanksgiving meal because they served lobster at the first Thanksgiving. Was the lobster you made a main lobster, and if not, where was it from? It was from a Korean grocery store in my neighborhood that has a great reputation. Um, supposedly. They were main lobsters, and I say supposedly because they were on sale for the holidays at seven ninety nine a pound, which is crazy, crazy cheap. That that is crazy, crazy cheap. Well, I, you know, it almost seems like it's a it's too good to be true. Is it possible that uh, that with that crazy price that maybe they sold you a, a batch of lobster that was going to be a little chewy no matter how you cooked it? I think you're right. I think these lobsters were raised like in some part of maybe Bushwick, Brooklyn, somewhere. I don't know, in some pool. I think that was the, that was the issue. I, you get what you pay for in life and that's, I got paid back. No, I no, I understand that. Hey, Larry, uh, I, I'm sure they appreciated the effort there. They were terrific. They were terrific. But I'm telling you, Frank, they were struggling like mm. like their life was on the line, mm. <laughs> and they were so nice about it. I, I can imagine. Hey, uh, thank you, Larry. Appreciate it. Take care. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two. Two two. Uh, it's one eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Let me say hello to Janice in Manhattan. Hello, Janice. Hi, hi Frank. Listen, hi. I wanted to say something about your theme music for mm-hmm. your letter section. For I have a comment for a reason. But first of all, who wrote it? Who wrote that little? I I don't know. Tune? I don't know. Oh, I'll tell you why I'm asking. I know you're way too young, but half of your audience. Oh, are you going to bring up the Perry Como? Uh, yes. Situation? Yeah. Right, I, exactly. I, you know, I've talked. To, I talked about this song when we when we rediscovered it. It was 13 months ago that we right. rediscovered that jingle, and I had been searching for it for two 
years. And if you listen to the show, and the podcast is still available, that we did on uh, October 11th of, uh, of, excuse me, yeah, October 11th of 2021, I chronicled the extraordinary journey behind finding that song. It took me years to find it it's, again. It's not, it's not the same song. No, it's not. It's, it's not. It's similar. It's similar. You could find, you, we play the, and again, if you go back right. and listen to that broadcast from October 11th, we play the Perry Como version as well. That right. one was, uh, you know, uh, letters. letters. We get, we get letters. letters. We get stacks right. and yeah. stacks yeah. of exactly. letters. Exactly. Dear Perry, right. would and that's you on, be so kind? If you go to, if you go to the YouTube. And he would take requests. Yes, that's and right. he would sit on a stool. I remember this. The no, that's right. And thank you, Jenna. Thank you. Uh, if you go to the YouTube, you could see Perry Como uh, singing that letter song and uh, reading those letters. All right. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. understand just what I mean. Now all through the week it's quiet as a mouse, but on Saturday night they go from house to house. You don't have to pay the usual admission if you're a cook or a waiter or a good musician. So if you happen to be just passing by, stop in at the Saturday night fish fry. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. This is Louis Jordan's Saturday Night Fish Fry, or Saturday Fish Fry. If you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing, uh, just join our Facebook group. Uh, Just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters, or just go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Radio Morano. The only thing we would ask is if you contribute... Try to be on topic and try to be nice to one another. I don't care if you say anything mean about me. That's fine. Just try to be nice to one another. Um, this is a Matt Blaze discovery. I don't think I've ever heard this song. And it's terrific. Louis Jordan. There you go. Ashamed to admit I've never heard this song. This is absolutely uh, terrific. Well, let me take you back in time to about 26 hours ago where I was joined in studio by Alex Barnard. And Alex Barnard uh, was very proud, at least it seemed, of the turkey that he prepared. And he mentioned making a turkey, but then he didn't really give any indication of if people liked it. He didn't say what Larry said about his lobster, that it was too chewy, didn't say it was too dry, didn't say it was delicious, didn't say anything really. He just said that he made a turkey. Let me take you back in time to 26 hours ago. It's a big step making a turkey. Yeah, yeah. That is sure. I would make a turkey for a long time. What do you mean? How? What do you mean? How did it come? The turkey. How did it come? I mean, well, how we, did it come out? Oh, it came. It came out great. I mean, we did it. Uh, but that's a weird way to ask that question. So, I thought that was the strangest interaction <laughs> that I had had all four hours. And look, I think we took an E Frank call yesterday. And so we had some strange interactions yesterday. Uh, let me hear that one more time if I can, man. It's a Serious. big step making a turkey. Yeah, yeah. Is, sure. I would make a come? turkey for a long time. What do you mean? How? What do you mean? How did it come? The turkey. How did it come? 
I mean, well, how we, did it come out? Oh, it came. It came out great. I mean, we did it. Uh, it's a weird way to ask that question. So, Alex is telling me this is a weird way to ask that question. I I don't see what was weird about it. I wanted to know how the turkey came. Now, lo and behold, it's not unusual for me to walk by my wife's office because our offices in our house are right near one another. And our son was taking a nap. And it's not unusual to hear her yelling at me as she's listening to the podcast of this show. So she listens to the podcast and she yells at me, not in person, but she yells at her computer because that's where she's listening to me. And sure enough, she's yelling at the computer. She's saying, yes, yes. She's saying, this is a weird way that all of you Staten Islanders speak. And then she ultimately did start yelling at me in person because I happened to be walking by. And as she first said, you know, I'm making a list of all of my friends and family that you've managed to insult in the course of one show. And now here you are doing what you do on the radio, uh, doing what you do in real life on the radio, which is butchering the English language. Uh, She has prepared. She did not want to be awake at this time. So she has um, left a voice message, which you can also do at 8168Morano, with her view of that conversation you just heard with Alex Barnard. It's your wife. I'm calling to give you some feedback on your Monday show. Um, When you were talking to Alex Barnard and the rest of the crew about their Thanksgiving plans, he, or how they had spent Thanksgiving, rather, He mentioned how he had made a turkey, and you said, how did it come? And he was all confused. And you acted like he was dumb because he was confused. But he was confused because what you say makes no sense. And I don't know if it's a Staten Island thing or a Murano thing, but you guys say, oh, how did it come? Oh, it came good. You're missing the word out. How did it come out? Oh, it came out good. It's very odd. You're missing the word out, and you made Alex sound like he was the crazy one, when really, you're the odd duck. So think about that. Consider adding the word out. Goodbye. Well, let me uh, let me sincerely apologize uh, to Alex Barnard. I had no idea that I was – sometimes I know when I'm misspeaking. This was not one of those instances. Uh, to me, how did it, how did it come – Makes perfect sense, but I suppose that she and you are right. I mean, I feel like your level of shock at m- the way I phrased the question may not have been warranted, but so be it. I apologize for not uh, for not responding appropriately to your turkey discussion. I mean, I will say in my defense, it was I had been up at that point for uh, a very very long time. I had been traveling all day back from Boston. Sure, I was exhausted. And uh, it didn't really register to me exactly what you were saying. But if I had been a little more clever, if you had said, how did it come? I would have said raw, like, you know, from when it was coming from the store. Uh, Right. Okay. Well, that would have been clever. That would have been clever. But um, so you think that's an unusual phrase, uh, an unusual way to phrase a question, rather. Yeah. It It doesn't make sense. You left a word out. You know, you're right. I guess you guys are right. And Rachel is a very, very smart and uh, kind person to uh, have stu- stood up for me. Uh, I mean, she instance. can't be that smart if she ended up marrying me. <laughs>
Uh, Matt Blaze, did you do, uh, you know, irrespective of the fact that you knew what I was talking about, which I don't think was in context a great leap to make, did you find that to be an ad- Odd phraseology on my part. How did it come? Yes. Rather than how did you did? I did. You did. I knew. Can, you, like I said, I knew what you right, meant. Right. Exactly. I, but it, it was. It's not it as was. if I was talking about algebra, and all of a sudden I expected a response about physics. It was all in the same right. family. But okay. All right, uh, Kenneth. What's your story? Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. I thought it was pretty peculiar. Wow. Uh, so I wonder. I, again, to to Rachel's point, I don't know if using mm-hmm. the phrase "How did it come?" instead of "How did it come out." I don't know if that's something that I do. I don't know if that's something my family does or if that's something that everybody on Staten Island does. So if you are uh, a Morano or a Staten Islander, feel free to call in and educate me on that. Thank you, Alex. I'm glad that uh, you're still dining out on that turkey celebration. Yeah, I uh, I had a bunch of it tonight. Um, and at this point now, I have so much left over that I have to do something. Like, I have to freeze it and do something else well, with well, it. I mean, turkey soup or something, right? Yeah, or I, I saw something that looked good, like a casserole or something yeah, There's like all that. sorts of stuff you can yeah, do. You can do a turkey exactly. pot pie. That might be a little involved. But turkey yeah. soup, you know. Yeah, turkey soup is easy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All right. Um, I'm getting a flood of SMS text messages here. A gentleman or a lady, I don't know, the gender, or non-binary for all I know, with a 914 area code writes, I got what you were asking. Yeah, again, I don't feel like it was, I don't feel like it was a leap, what I was uh, asking. Oh, by the way, I should have read this during the mail. Uh, This is from, uh, I'm not sure who this is from. Blaze is smart. Don't crap where you eat. Work is for work, not making buddies. Buddies who can become competitive. And then it costs you a job. Make buddies at church, online, or anywhere other than work. I don't agree. I don't agree. I, uh, you know, maybe this is maybe this is to my own detriment. I don't view the other people that do something similar to what I do as competition. And maybe maybe that's my own stupidity. But I see a lot of the other folks that work here, and I guess in theory we're all competing for the same. Uh, finite amount of airtime, but I think, you know, I'm of the view that a rising tide lifts all boats. We're all on the same station. We all want to do well. We all want to do better. And the better we all do, it um, it helps everybody. So I don't agree with that at, uh, at all. Um, but, you know, again, smarter people than me have disagreed. Hey, quick update on the Orion spacecraft, which we have been covering at length. This is very exciting. I, I got to say, this is one of the most fascinating things to happen in space travel since William Shatner went to space. NASA's Artemis One um, Orion spacecraft has flown past the record distance set by Apollo 13. So the uh, subheadline on space.com, and I think other people have used the same thing, is Houston. We have a new record holder, and that's certainly true. NASA's Artemis One Orion capsule has now traveled farther beyond Earth than any spacecraft designed to carry astronauts. The uncrewed Orion flew past the record-setting distance achieved by the Apollo 13 command module at uh, 248,655 miles from Earth, at about 8.40 a.m. on Saturday. Now, there is a big difference between what Apollo 13 did and what the Orion spacecraft is doing 
Because there's nobody on that Orion spacecraft. Now, when you're setting this kind of record with Apollo 13, as you saw in the picture with Tom Hanks, it's a big deal. You got people on board. I'm not taking anything away from Orion and what they've been able to do. I think it's great. But it'd be different. It'd be a more significant record if there were people on board, right? I don't think I'm going out on a limb on that one, exactly. But uh, maybe I am. All right, uh, 800-848-9222. Let me tell you what's coming up next hour. Um, there's a new list of the greatest television theme songs. I'm going to tell you, they ranked 100 television theme songs. I'm going to tell you what uh, came out on top. I'm going to tell you what omissions were from the list. We'll take your suggestions for what you think should have been on the list at 800-848-9222. That is a trend that I have noticed on television. It used to be every great TV show, kids shows, mysteries, dramas, suspense, action, sitcoms, they all had a great theme song. And for whatever reason, I want to say in like the late 90s, early 2000s, that started to diminish. And these TV shows shifted away from original theme songs. Maybe they would use a song that um, somebody else had crafted for them. No, no, excuse me. That had been crafted for someone else and they would appropriate it for the show. I guess the best examples that I could think of are The Sopranos, Woke Up This Morning, and the, uh, I think it was the Rembrandts for Friends, I'll Be There For You. Those were not songs written for those shows. But they became so associated with those shows that it almost is like it was written for them. But you compare that to what we used to see in the era of Gilligan's Island or, um, you know, the Beverly Hillbillies, where you had songs specifically crafted for the TV program itself designed to explain the characters and so forth. So we're going to get into that in a uh, in a big way coming up in a moment. we got the $1,000 Minute um, in about a half hour and a bunch of other fun things as well. If you want to be heard, you can do so, 800-848-9222. And it took me all day, but I am almost done with my email, meaning getting through my email. Uh, no exaggeration, this has become a real problem. <laughs> I think I may have to do with my email what I did with my voicemail and just not check it so that uh, people have to find me on an alternative way. But I like email. It's different. All right. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Grant, your influence counts. Make sure you use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everyone, this is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. If our radio show were a television show, this would be our theme song, right? I mean, it's not unusual for TV shows to have um, two different theme songs. Remember, Happy Days 
originally had rock around the clock, and then it became happy days. Remember the two different songs? So um, well, this is uh, the Swan Silvertones. I'm not tired yet. I read with great interest this Rolling Stone ranking of the 100 best TV theme songs of all time. I have to tell you, um, when people ask what genre of music I really enjoy best, a strong candidate for that is TV show theme songs. And I know it sounds silly, and there was a whole Saturday Night Live sketch about 15, 20 years ago about a guy that um, has a date over his house, and he ju- and he wants to put on some mood music, and he just puts on a barrage of TV show theme songs. These are some of the greatest songs ever made. They're great. They're, they're great on their own. They're great in the context of the show, and they're fun uh, for the most part when they're done well. And sure enough, I'm not going to read this whole list of Rolling Stone 100 theme songs because there's some good ones on here. I'd love to hear yours if you want to weigh in 800-848-9222. But I do want to go through some of the top 10 here because just about all of my favorites are on the list of the top 100. There's nothing on here that uh, there's nothing that I said, oh, how about blank? How about Green Acres? And it wasn't on the list. There's nothing. How about blank? And it wasn't on the list. Everything that I could think of that I enjoyed. Now, I don't pretend to be an expert on television or anything else for that matter. But uh, I there are a lot of TV show theme songs that I like. They're all on the list. So I said, let me look through the top ten. We'll read through the top ten. And sure enough, I see that the, according to Rolling Stone, and by the way, there were a whole bunch of other articles out there about this as well in other publications. That's the, I guess that's the juice that Rolling Stone still has is that people are still doing, um, you know, articles about how Rolling Stone ranks things. But I said uh, the number 10 best theme song of all time, just this happened a minute ago, is a show called Too Many Cooks which was on Adult Swim. Uh, I don't know about you. I never heard of this show. And I like Adult Swim. I think Adult Swim, it's not so much a channel as it is. It's the either the cartoon, I think it's the Cartoon Network at night where they show more adult-oriented cartoons, things like Family Guy and that matter, and, and, that, and that kind of thing. It's not meant to be cartoons for children. And they have the show Too Many Cooks. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never watched it. I said, let me go on the YouTube and see if this theme song is so great. And I was all prepared to be cynical. I was about to say, how can this theme song rank ahead of Green Acres? Green Acres is the place to be. Farm living's the life for me, right? Um, <laughs> sure enough, I watched this video on the YouTube of the theme song to this, and it's terrific. It's absolutely terrific. I don't think it's great on its own in terms of uh, uh, in terms of the the audio, uh, but um, it looks like a parody of sitcom TV theme song openings. Oh, Alex Barnard just um, messages me. It was a it was not actually a show. It was a joke about sitcom theme songs. It was just a ten minute long joke. That's why I've never seen it. I got to tell you, it's hilarious. That's exactly what I was going to say. I said, I don't know what this show's about, but it's almost a combination of every TV show theme song of all time. It's brilliant. So uh, I, I think it's absolutely great. I am going to share the uh, Too Many Cooks 
theme song on uh, my Facebook page if you want to read it, uh, if you want to watch it, because it's really one of those things that's more visual than um, than just sound. So if you want to check it out, if you want to watch it, Facebook.com slash fan. See, that's why we keep Alex Barnard around, not only for his turkey-making ability, but for the fact that he's kind of our liaison to the uh, the young community, the cultural community, the pop cultural community. How does this even make the list, though? Well, well, uh, you're right. It, it is sort of a, a, a yeah. joke. So because I'm watching it, and yeah, it looks like the opening of like any '90s. Yeah, growing pains, like the fam- Family Matters yeah, or the Hogan right, Family right. or something like that. But how does it make the list of yeah, the greatest I, I agree with you. theme songs of all time? It is good. Though. It's a parody. Yeah, it you know, is. You're funny. right. It's it should a, be up it's there. It's a parody. It should have an asterisk. Right. It should have an asterisk. It would be like, um, you know, um, I don't know, like a, a, a fictional baseball player making the list of uh, right. top. Uh, the top 100 baseball players exactly. of all time. You're right. You're right. I can't argue with that. So then the ninth show that's on there is a real TV show. It's called The O.C., I've never seen The O.C. I know that was on Fox. I know it was very popular. Um, Not really my thing. I think it was like a soap opera for young people, as I understand the description. Second Coming of 90210. It was pretty much what it was. Yeah, okay. So that is a soap opera for young people. I never heard the the theme song. This was uh, uh, the eighth best theme song of all time, according to Rolling Stone. This, of course, the theme song to Friends, but it was not written for. It was not written for Friends. I don't think. Um, I think this was a song that already existed, and I don't know that it should count. You talk about other theme songs, um, the Twilight Zone theme song, which did make the list, not of the top ten, but of the top one hundred. That was created specifically for the Twilight Zone. The Tonight Show theme, right? Da, 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 da. They call it Johnny's theme. Da, 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 da. That was written for the Tonight Show. That was a song that Friends chose to use for their theme song, even though it wasn't written for them. It would be like if I said Enter Sandman is our theme song. Now, it kind of is. But it's also not because it has this whole separate identity. So I wasn't. Cra- I guess you have to put it on the list because it's been so identified with friends over the years. But do you have to put it that high? I don't think so. Now this song on the on the other hand, number seven. I think this was very appropriately placed. is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. This, of course, uh, was prior to Will Smith's days of smacking people uh, that uh, made jokes about his wife, but uh, this is the theme song to Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You know how you know if a theme song is great? I I have a few, and if you want to weigh in, you can, 800-848-9222. I have a few factors. One, does the theme song, whether it's 30 seconds or a minute or 20 seconds, 
Does it tell the story of what happens mm-hmm. on the show? In my view, that's integral. Um, the Rembrandts, the Friends song, it does not. It does not say, oh, there are three people living, three guys living together, three women living together. It doesn't do that. The Golden Girls theme song, as good as it is, and my son likes the Golden Girls, and I like the Golden Girls, but as good as that Golden Girls theme song is, it doesn't tell the story of the show. Now, again, Green Acres, um, Dream of Dream, Genie. Well, not so much. But um, these are shows that have a story that are told. This Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, it tells the story. The other factor for me is, is it so catchy that you find yourself singing the words to it? And in my view, that's certainly the case with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Some of you may disagree. I I don't see how you could disagree. That is one of the greatest TV show theme songs of all time. Very appropriately uh, placed. The Twilight Zone is number six. Here was an interesting one, and I think it is appropriately placed, and it's not one that I would have thought of. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I mean, that fits the whole definition, all the factors that I think of. And you know what made it it more enjoyable for me? Mr. Rogers did not have a fabulous singing voice. But in a lot of ways, that's the whole point of every Mr. Rogers neighborhood song. Hey, neighbor. I don't think he sings. All right. Well, so you get it. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, That's number five. Number four, I have not seen this show, uh, so I can't speak to the theme song. I was so hooked on the theme song to too many hooks that I couldn't look up the rest of these. This is a show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. They've ranked this as number four. Now, this might have, you know, gone, proven what so many of you have suspected for a long time, which is that I have no idea what I'm talking about because I went and did a whole thing a few minutes ago about how a lot of TV shows these days don't even have a theme song. This is a very modern TV show. It was on the CW from uh, 2015 to 2019. And apparently, it sounds like an interesting show. Every episode of this musical comedy drama hybrid featured at least two note-perfect songs in a wide variety of styles. That's fun. That's fun. But uh, it was it's not a show that I am familiar with. Number three, and again, this is my other barometer for how you can tell a great TV theme song, um, Sanford and Son. If you can identify the TV theme song just by a couple of notes, that's a great theme song. Now, I mean, if you think of the, if you hear the words, if you hear the the beats, don't you know immediately what you're in store for? That was a show. It was a good show. I like Red Fox as much as anybody. But that was one of the shows where I feel like it was funny, but the show's theme song almost made it worth watching just for that. Um, that's number three. Number two is a tie. And these are um, these are both good songs. One is, I, I think, could have been number one easily, and that's Gilligan's Island. 
And the the song that it is tied with is... Here's the story of a lovely lady Who was bringing up three very lovely girls All of them had hair of gold This is great. Like their mother The show is terrible. Absolutely terrible. It's a story. Ridiculous stories. Terrible acting. You sound like Robert Reed. He hated the show. Who's Robert Reed? (laughs) He was Mike Brady. He He hated the show. I didn't. I loved it, but it was terrible. You know what we have to do? What we do as humans is we tend to confuse things that we're familiar with with things that we like. And if you notice, I actually take advantage of this degree of human psychology quite a bit on the show. Is I'll sneak in both music, phrases, guests that you might be familiar with. Uh, Because I know that that is one of the things we do as humans. And that's what the Brady Bunch is. Uh, And again, I watched it. I, I have maybe seen, I don't know that I've seen every episode, but I've seen many of them. And, uh, the theme song is the star of that show. That was a tie for number two with uh, with Gilligan's Island. And they're both by the same guy. Yeah. It's uh, Sherwood, Sherwood Schwartz. Sherwood Schwartz. Well, a brilliant, brilliant guy. A brilliant guy. And still around. Still around. We were talking about... No. Uh, oh, he passed away? Sherwood Schwartz, I think, passed away. His son is still alive. Oh, okay. That's what my confusion Yeah. But is. yeah, and he even said when he wrote those songs, like it, it tells the story that's, of the show. I think that's what's missing from shows like... Uh, like friends. Yeah, uh, Sherwood Schwartz did pass away at the age of 94. You know, it's funny. I always think of him being old. And uh, sure enough, he was old. Good for him. And the number, according to Rolling Stone, the number one greatest TV show, uh, theme song of all time. Do we have this? Do we have this? Or do you know? You don't know what it is. You didn't look at the list. So this is a brilliant choice. A brilliant choice. What do you think it is? What would you pick? Without knowing? No, without knowing. You haven't looked it up, right? Nope. W- what would you pick? Jefferson's. Boom, bingo. That is, the, according to Rolling Stone, the greatest TV show theme song of all time. I have to tell you, I think that's right on the money. Right on the money. Uh, Kenneth, what would you pick? You're usually a bit of a contrarian. I personally would have gone with either The Sopranos, just because I think that's one of the most iconic ones, or... Even like the Andy Griffith show, just because of how like the w- well, iconic that is. Oh, so good. This is great. Um, all right, so somebody just messaged me. They said, "How do you not say Hawaii Five O?" According to Rolling Stone, Hawaii Hup 5.0 was number 12. The show that I'm forcing my wife to watch, Cheers, that was number 13. Uh, the Wire was number 14. Mission Impossible, which is great, was number 15. Rockford Files, which is terrific, number 16. Uh, the Muppet Show, which is terrific, is number 16. Uh, the Simpsons, I love The Simpsons. I'm a fan of The Simpsons. I still watch it, even though it's not good anymore. The Simpsons is number 18. I have to tell you, love The Simpsons. The theme song is, at best, okay. There is, I do not think that is the 18th greatest TV theme song of all time. 
And uh, the number nine, number 19 theme song, according to Rolling Stone, was Kenneth's pick, The Sopranos. Look, I'm as big of a Sopranos fan as anybody. Uh, the song was not written for the show. It was, it, it has nothing to do with the story of the show. And I get that the way that the opening is edited, the way you see Tony with the cigar in his mouth and he's driving past Giant Stadium and the pizza shop and all these exteriors, it fits, it's edited really well. I get it. It's, it's, it's very appropriately used. I don't think that should count the same way as the Brady Bunch, the Jeffersons. There's no way that it should be ahead of All in the Family. All in the Family is number 20. The Sopranos is ahead of the... Again, I'm not talking about the quality of the show. Just talking about the theme song. Uh, And another show that I like, I think they ranked way too high, Curb Your Enthusiasm, number 21. Uh, Great show. 21st best theme, theme song of all time. Ahead of Green Acres. Come on. Where where is King of Queens at? Was that on so there? So I never really watched the King of Queens. What did they have a good theme song? Yeah, it was all right. Um, I don't know that it'd be I thought it was one, pretty solid. In the top 100? I am going to it tells the theme of like what he does. Oh, it does. Yeah, okay, like he's my, yes, it does. My wife um she really likes this show which did make the list at 26. Uh and it, she loves the opening, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And she I I've not really seen it. But um, she would always say to me, because on Netflix or whatever of the 9,000 streaming platforms we're paying for, it gives you the option to skip the opening. She would always say to me, why would anyone want to skip the opening? It's so good of uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. This is King of Queens. Queens? My back is getting tight. I'm sitting here in traffic on the Queensboro Bridge tonight. I don't care because all I want to do is cash my check. I mean, I don't think. I mean, it's a good song. It, it's There's no way that it can be ahead of Laverne and Shirley. No. There's no way that it can be ahead of uh, The Greatest American Hero. Top 20 should be 60s, 70s, and 80s TV shows. Hands down. Uh, Top well, 20. Okay. Okay. Uh, and um, okay. I, I will go along with that. Uh, I think so. You agree with me? What I was saying that um, there had been has been a decline in TV show themes, the quality, right? Oh, absolutely. Some shows that you don't even know what the theme. Right. Well, is. a lot of them don't even have a theme. Yeah, and I, I do. Some new shows do have themes, and some right. shows uh, in the two thousands. Like I mean, um, like uh, I'm trying to think of um, the one with uh, Leonard in. Uh, the uh, Big Bang Theory has a theme. Yeah, two and, that, that two and a half the men has, has that a made, theme. That made the uh, Big Bang Theory made the list. I didn't see about. Uh, I didn't see about uh, two and a half. Two men. and a half men. We'll check. It's not in the top fifty. I'll tell you that. I'll take a look for uh, King of Queens. Meantime, uh, Mike in parts unknown. What do you got, Mike? Parts unknown. I'm south of the Mason Dixon Myrtle Beach, but that's all right, Frank. Uh, I just woke up a little while ago. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I agree with Matt. Uh, the greatest theme songs were the sitcoms of the 60s and 70s. You know, um, I met James Gandolfini three times. I was in two episodes of The Sopranos. Uh, I think um, um, 
got to be, you know, uh, Boy the Way, Glenn Miller played. Yeah, All in the Family, that's great. It made the list. That was in the 20s, meaning in the top, uh, within the top 30, and I think deservedly so. I would put, Frazier was number 58. I would have put that much higher. Um, you know, thank you, Mike. You're, you're almost getting Chris and the Catskills, John Kwok territory with you know, the need to mention your resume whenever you go. See, this is great. So I, I think this is five star. But now a show like Welcome Back, Cotter, that's a great theme song. They rank it as number 57. I would have thought that would be much higher. Frasier is number 58. I would have thought that would have been much higher. By the same token, Seinfeld, and again, you know how much I love Seinfeld, is number 56. How can Seinfeld's TV theme song rank ahead of Frasier and um, and Welcome Back, Cotter? It can't. Come on. Yeah, because there's no words. No, it's just like... Bum, 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 bum. Right, exactly. Right. They used to, when they were when they were losing in the ratings to Jake and the Fat Man, the cast used to make up their own words to that song, and they would say, easy to beat, you know, and that was, uh, that was what they would say. And then they changed it a little bit, so it didn't sound so much like the synthesizer was saying, easy to beat. Uh, all right, 800-849-222. What, what do you think of the songs that we've named so far? Are there any notable omissions? Are there anything that I you think is way too high? My two choices for what's too high, three choices, really. Sopranos, again, I can't stress enough. I've seen every episode many times. Seinfeld, same deal. Love the show. Like the theme song. Should not be number 56 ahead of Frazier and Welcome Back, Connor. And uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, same deal. Uh, 800-848-9222. Mary Beth is on Long Island. Hello. Good morning. Morning. Um, I can't believe, unless I missed this, the Beverly Hillbillies theme song wasn't on. That was perfect for that show, especially when they showed, you know, the the um, actors in the beginning doing things that the that the song portrayed. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I love this song. Texas T. Um, I, I am looking at this whole list of uh, of 100, and uh, let's see, maybe it's in the 90s here because I I would have thought that would have been in the top 10 uh, because exactly. it's it's great, and I actually don't think the Beverly Hillbillies made this list, which is shocking to me. You know, you have to put your own list together and yeah. publish it elsewhere. Well, but here's the problem is I have not seen enough of these shows, right? Like uh, I can't, you know, I've, um, I, was, I was happy Green Acres made the list. So I would put, so WKRP in Cincinnati is number 78. Well-deserved, well-deserved. Um, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson's on the list. They have Buffy the Vampire Slayer on the list. I've never seen that. I don't know what the... I don't know what that is. They, I mean, I don't know what the theme song is. They have Boondocks on the list. I, I don't know what that theme song is. So they have a lot of shows that I've never seen. But, yeah, you're right. I am not seeing Beverly Hillbillies on this list, which is amazing. The fella that did that song to Beverly Hillbillies, uh, he also did another great the- theme song. His name's Paul Henning. Um, 
he did Green Acres. And uh, I think mm-hmm. that uh, that's a great theme song as well. But the fact that we're living in a world where the Seinfeld theme song is ahead of the Adams Family, come on. I, uh, in some ways, it's tougher to make the top 10 list, I mean, the middle 20 list, than it is the top 10. See, this is great. This is number 80. I would watch the show just for the theme song. Outstanding. Andy in Brooklyn, what do you have for us? Frank, I don't know how old you are, but I come from the Curtis Sliwazoic era, and I have no idea why we're not hearing about the Partridge family and the monkeys. The monkeys did make the list. Let me see if Partridge made the list. I, uh, I I don't see the Partridge family on here. The monkeys did make the list. I think they were they they were relatively high. I think they were number maybe around number eighteen. But yes, they absolutely see. You know what Rolling Stone does here, and I almost find this as I almost find this as irritating as what um, as these paywalls is. They don't let you view the whole list. You have to click five times. Now they do that. So that you get more clicks on on the article. Thank you, uh, Andy. But the monkeys did make the list, um, and uh, yeah, they were number forty. Eh, they should have been higher than that, I think. Original Rick in New Jersey. Hello. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. I had six that you haven't said. Six. Oh my it's wrong. goodness! All right. How about the Flint? How about the Flintstones? Uh, did the Flintstones make the list? That's that's a good one. It certainly. Uh, I th- well, let's see. Um, I mean, who, who doesn't know when you start hearing that? No, I don't think the Flintstones made it. Wow. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't. And I don't think the Munsters made it. Uh, interestingly How enough. How about the Jetsons? Did the Jetsons make it? Um, they should have. Um, I'm not seeing. It. Not in the top fifty. You see. How about, how about Perry Mason? Perry Mason. Know that song. Nah, yeah, nah, Perry nah. Mason did make the list. Oh, cool. How about I Love Lucy? I am not seeing that on here, but now my internet is disrupted here. So, I mean, uh, uh, so uh, yeah. I mean, take a look. I'm gonna I'm gonna link to this, and people can examine the list and make their own uh, comments on uh, what they think. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. What did you have others that you were gonna mention, Rick? Well, Mash and and Barney Miller. Mash made the list. Uh, I didn't see Barney Miller. I'm gonna try and get it back on there. Uh, back, I have a feeling. I have a feeling the guy that made this list is uh, in his 40s or so or something. That's why you're not seeing a lot of these older ones. They're not familiar with them. Well, they're on there, though. I mean, they are on there. Thank you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was not one guy that made this. I want to be very clear. There's a bunch of folks. This is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven people made this list. And this is what they say at the beginning of the article. We apologize in advance for all the TV theme songs we are about to lodge back into your heads, or maybe we should preemptively accept your thanks. Despite periodic attempts to contract or outright eliminate them, theme songs are a crucial part of the TV watching experience. The best ones put you in the right mindset to watch each episode of your favorite and can be just as entertaining in their own right as any great joke, monologue, or action sequence. And then they go through 
These are the these are what they say the factors they consider. These are the two. One, how great is it as a song? Two, how well does it prepare you for the show that follows? So that the, the number 100 show on here I have not seen, WandaVision. The number 99 show on here I have not seen, Terriers. Number 98, a fine choice. I would have had it a little bit higher. Um, Three's Company. Number 97, Rescue Me. I've not seen Rescue Me. Uh, oh, Partridge Family did make the list. Partridge Family was number 95. So there you have it. Ivan is in Woodhaven. Hello, Ivan. So I have one that, but for the fact it's a very oldie, uh, would have been, I'm sure, up there on the list. P- theme to Peter Gunn. Peter Gunn did absolutely make the list. What number? Uh, let's see. Where do, I think it was in the in the forties. Uh, what What do you think if it uh, had come out uh, ten or twenty years ago? Where do you think it would be? Uh, well, you think it would be higher if it was newer? Uh, well, it, it it fits your criteria to a T. Well, Mike, it, it was done made speci- by Henry Mancini specifically for that yeah. show. I, I and thank you, uh, Ivan. I think it's a great theme song. I don't subscribe necessarily to the fact that they rewarded newer shows. Like, number 51 is Match Game. Now, Match Games, you know, started in the 70s. So I, I don't I don't subscribe to that. Jeff in Queens, hello. Hey, Frank, I got a few here. Mm-hmm. Being 65 years old, of course, they're going to be older ones. Um, Flipper, um, Mr. Ed, uh, Maxwell Smart, Courtship of Mr. Eddie's Father, that. That had a theme on um, Dragnet. Dragnet did make the list, yeah. Uh, number 37, Dragnet, was that. Not Maxwell Smart. Do you, do you, do you remember that show? Yeah, Get Smart. I, I'm, I'm trying yeah, to see smart. if right. uh, it made the list. Um, yeah, Duke, Dukes of Hazard. Adam's Family is number 33. Uh, Miami Vice, number 32. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore, number 31. Uh, One Day at a Time, number 30. Um, Man, I, it, Frank, Mary Tyler Moore covered by Joan Jett. Yeah, I, uh, I, I look. I like Mary Tyler Moore, uh, the show and the theme song. I think it's a little high. Did you hear Joe Jett's cover? I don't know that I have actually. Well, everyone in the world has but you, Frank. Yeah, I, I guess they have. The, uh, thank you, Jeff. Hey, you know another one that I think's a little high is Star Trek, and I'm a Star Trek fan. You know this. Um, well, I guess they're including the Kirk monologue as part of Star Trek. So I would, um, I, I think that's probably appropriate. Peter Gunn, uh, the fellow that asked about Peter Gunn, Peter Gunn was number 22. Number 22. Right behind Curb Your Enthusiasm, which makes no sense. All right, uh, we'll do a couple more of these, and then we're going to move on. Bill is in Maryland. Hello, Bill. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. I don't, I first, my first one was the Beverly Hillbillies, because I love bluegrass music. It's my favorite. And the second one was there was an older show called Combat with Vic Morrow that was forgotten. That was one of the best theme songs I have ever heard because it dealt with the theme that dealt with World War II, if you ever look it up. Yeah, I, I have seen Combat. Uh, I don't know how Beverly Hillbillies is not in the top ten here. Uh, I don't understand I one that. more for you. Yeah, what is it? You had you had mentioned Welcome Back, Cotter. That was a great song. It Absolutely. It dealt with the teacher that came back to his neighborhood. Yeah, the biggest guy. These people that wrote these uh, shows, uh, to me, they're delusional. Well, you know, in fair, thank you, Bill. In fairness, you know, whatever list they came up with, we we were going to criticize, right? Because it's subjective. Like if we made a list of the hundred best radio talk shows of all time, 
that's subjective too, right? So we'd be criticizing that. Kathy is in the East Village. Hello, Kathy. Hi, Frank. Well, I was. I thought the Flintstones and um, what about Charlie's Angels? I mean, I do not see Charlie's of, Angels on this list here. Yeah, I kind of like that with the you know the three girls mm. and all that stuff. And um, the other one I was thinking of is like was weird. It was like the Outer Limits. They said all this stuff from My the inner mind. That's a good one. I don't see that on here. Um, yeah, I probably figured, but I used to, I used to like that Outer Limits and One Step Beyond, like just weird. Yeah, yeah, I like the Outer Limits too, um, both as yeah. a show and a theme song. That did not make the list. I'm not upset about that omission. You know what made the list? Um, and I'm trying to picture the theme song, the Dick Van Dyke Show, at number 81. Dick Van Dyke. Um, one that I think is actually appropriate at number 82, Where in the World is Carmen Sandia? This is Dick Van Dyke. It's not bad, okay. Um, number eight, the Flintstones did make the list. The Flintstones was number 86. I cannot understand how there is no mention of the Beverly Hillbillies. Unless I'm missing it, uh, and I'm going to look here. Um, but uh, I am not seeing it on here, which is a travesty. Last one here, and then we'll do the $1,000 minute. Um, Sophia is in Brooklyn. How are you, Sophia? Good morning, Frank. I'm well, thank you. Good. Uh, did anybody mention, I'm sure somebody mentioned the Honeymooners. You know, not only did someone not mention it, but I also don't see it on the list. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And what about what about the Late Show? Syncopated clocks. Da, 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 that was from da, what? Da, the Late Show. The Late Late Show. Yep. What, with Tom every... Snyder. No, the Late Late Show was on every night, and it was you know a different movie every night. But I yeah, guess it would qualify as a series. Yeah. No, I'm not seeing it on here. Thank you, uh, Sophia. Yeah. You know, they write in the description of the Dick Van Dyke Show. That big band was the dominant sound of theme songs in the 50s and 60s. Others, like I Love Lucy and The Honeymooners, were paired with a static image. This theme, meaning the Dick Van Dyke Show, one of several Earl Hagen compositions on the list, has to accompany the main character in action, most memorably the whimsical xylophone riff. So there's that. You know what it is? It's subjective. So uh, Mad Men, number 79. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, which is a quite a good theme song, number 77, which is interesting. So, all right, hey, we're going to do the $1,000 Minute in just a moment. Malcolm in the Middle, number 72. I love Malcolm in the Middle. I would not have placed it on this list, especially since I still have not found Beverly Hillbillies on here, unless I'm missing it. Uh, you can see the list for yourself at uh, Facebook.com slash Morano fan, uh, facebook.com slash Morano fan. We'll, uh, we'll post it up there and you can hear that song, that theme song to too many cooks. And I'm forced to agree with Matt Blaze. I think it should probably, it was not a TV show, probably should not be included on here, right? As great as it is, maybe give it an honorable mention. All right. Um, 15 seconds of fame, seventh caller to call 800-848-9222. Oh, excuse me. Thousand dollar minute. Uh, the seventh caller to 800-848-9222. We're going to give you an opportunity to answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. If you can do that, you will win $1,000. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 
other side of midnight with Frank Morano. You know, I don't think Good Times made the list. I do not think it made the list. So, um, and I'm looking. I don't see Beverly Hillbillies. If you want to look through this, <clears throat> be my guest. I don't see um, the, the entire 100, as they say in Rolling Stone, could have been made up of songs from the 1970s. And there's a bunch that didn't make the list. Uh, the White Shadow. What's happening? All sorts of uh, other good ones. But I don't see any discussion of Beverly Hillbillies on it. I'm hoping I'm just not seeing it, but I don't see it. So give a, give a, a read to this list. Tell me if you see it. All right. Without further ado, in uh, what is destined to go down in history as one of the greatest radio segment theme songs of all time, it is time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murano. And let us say hello to Terry in Maryland. Hello, Terry. Hello, Frank. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great, Terry. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling in. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Have you uh, heard this segment before, Terry? Yes, sir, I have. All right. So uh, I went over these questions with my sister, Claudia, on Sunday, and she did very well. Yesterday, I thought we were going to have somebody go to the eighth or ninth question. And uh, sure enough, I think the person got knocked out after question two. So it goes to show you I can never predict if these questions are easy or hard. So I'm wishing you the best of luck. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Sure thing. Name a vampire in movies or literature. Count Dracula. What country is Xi Jinping the leader of? China. What social media network is now owned by Elon Musk? Twitter. What is my sister's first name? Uh, You just said it. (laughs) Starts with a C. Model with the same name. Oh, man. Stake on it. Well, take a guess. Think of a name with C. Caroline. Caroline. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it is it is Claudia, uh, Terry. Claudia. Sorry. Sorry, Terry. Now, uh, <laughs> hang on. Don't hang up. Uh, uh, Kenneth's going to take your information. We're going to send you a prize. Some people may think it's unfair for me to include that, but I don't. Uh, number one, because I have been saying it intentionally, repeatedly for the last two days, <laughs> and including yesterday, I did say it. At, uh, make sure to keep that in mind for the $1,000 minute. And I think it's an incentive to pay attention to a lot of the show. Um, and that's the thing, is the more you listen to the show, the more you'll be rewarded with information, information that you can use to be profitable. And I think it, in general, in in uh, life, we are way too quick not to listen to the people that we're talking to. And the fact that I had just said Claudia's name right before we went to Terry – uh, that's why I don't feel that bad that he lost on that one. I used to have, I had a professor at NYU who once a semester 
would give a fake lecture because he was of the belief, and I think he's right, that we're way too trusting. It was a journalism class. He was of the belief that we're way too trusting and we just accept what people uh, tell us and that his view was you should question everything. So he would give a prize to whomever raised their hand and said this was a false lecture. And I thought that was very clever. So that's why I like to do the opposite of that and encourage people to to listen. Right. Um, you know, another great theme song that did not make the list, and I'm shocked by this, is The Love Boat. The Love Boat is phenomenal. And uh, that did not make the list. Don't get it. Don't get it. What is this? This is like a weird version of the love boat. Yeah, this <laughs> it is, is a love boat. not the recognizable one. This is not not that. All right, um, and believe it or not, I don't think Mr. Ed made the list. One of the callers mentioned Mr. Ed, but uh, I don't think it made the list. Partridge Family made the list. New Girl made the list. I Dream of Jeannie made the list. Have Gun Will Travel made the list. The Olympics, The Walking Dead, Stranger Things, Big Bang Theory. Somebody said that. Dallas, The Leftovers, I don't even know what that is, Pachinko, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, Green Acres, Mad Men, Um, I think we've named just about everybody, and I am not seeing Beverly Hillbillies, Moonlighting, Boondocks, Malcolm in the Middle, Parks and Recreation, Phineas and Ferb, that's on the Disney Channel, I'm not familiar with that, I don't know what that sounds like, Full House made the list, SWAT made the list, Dawson's Creek made the list, Uh, Happy Days obviously made the list, that's great. What is this? What am I listening to here? This would be Chips. This made the list. Oh, this is Chips? Yeah, this was uh, in the right. 90s. Oh, this is the 70s. Oh, the 90s. No, no. In, uh, in the, the list. list. Yeah, in the list. Friday Night Lights made the list. Drew Carey Show made the list. Odd Couple made the list. Uh, of course, The Andy Griffith Show, one of the greatest whistling songs of all time. That made the list. Uh, we said MASH. Lost made the list. Oh, Different Strokes, number 53. How can the theme song to Curb Your Enthusiasm be ahead of different strokes? Come on. That's Alan Thicke at his best. At his best. All right. Um, we're going to do well, – uh, Don in New Jersey has been holding a while. Hello, Don. Hi. Um, I think a Secret Agent with Patrick McGowan on the show, that was my favorite. Was that um, – was, was the theme song to that Secret Agent Man? It might have been. I'm not sure, but, it went, you know uh, – Secret agent man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's that was a great theme song. Absolutely, that yeah. that absolutely should have made the list if uh, if it didn't, which I don't see it here. That's a good one, Don. Thank you. We're going to give you an opportunity to be heard for fifteen seconds. Uh, you can be heard for fifteen seconds by calling eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Straight ahead. The other side of midnight. midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Somewhere out there 
Now this is uh, this is a theme song that will go down when they do the radio version of this list. This will make noise. By the way, I want to thank our uh, owner, John Katsimatidis, uh, because not only for my continued employment, which I'm grateful for every day, but um, he is our best fact checker because he is correct and I am incorrect. That uh, I, I said that Love Boat didn't make the list. I just didn't see Love Boat. And um, John pointed out that the Love Boat did make the list, number 48. So I think that's uh, certainly an appropriate an appropriate selection. I still do not see uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. See, this is great. Love, exciting, and new. Um, all right, I'm not going to say that. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know how you make this list and don't include in the top 100 the Beverly Hillbillies. I would have put that in the top 10. That would, I mean, it's, it's, I, that's another one of these shows where the song is better than the show, in my opinion. Nothing against the show, but all right. Without further ado, we're going to give you an opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds. Well, let me see what else I wanted to mention here. Uh, we've got an action-packed show tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to try and again connect with... Uh, General uh, Thomas McInerney, uh, he was a fascinating guy in the military. He has become very outspoken on a number of things. But I am of the belief that um, I'm for hearing everybody, right? I, I want to – if you have sent, if you say some strange things, like if you can't be heard on overnight radio, if you're saying whacked out things, where can you be heard, right? So uh, if you have suggestions for questions for General McInerney, you can uh, email me. And uh, a couple other fun things we have for tomorrow as well. We're going to go live, I think, to China and try to get a, an update on what's happening with these protests out there because it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. All right. 800-848-9222. Time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Ray is in the Bronx. Hey, with all those emissions, Frank, I don't give that list any credibility. And E. Frank is driving those sports talk hosts crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly is. Neil. Frank, when I snap my fingers, you will awaken and bring me a pepperoni pizza with extra cheese. Fred. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. He'll give you an answer that you'll endorse. He's always on a steady course. Talk to Mr. Fred. Robert. Top Cat was the best cartoon theme song ever. Which one? Top Cat. Top Cat. Oh, yeah, it was a good one. Mark. Hey, Frank, how did you not have Batman in there? It was the only interactive song. Kapow, I would fake fight with my brothers. Have a great day. I think Batman actually did make the list. Um, I think uh, I have to check. But, yeah, I think that did make the list. Peter in Brooklyn. Susan Moron, Susan Moron, Susan. Roger in Massachusetts. You know, also you could include um, Gunsmoke, Bonanza. I agree with Secret Agent Man. And you know how Bonanza was songs, on the list. Bonanza was on the list. Uh, you, know, you know how these theme songs, they rhymed, the lyrics rhymed, and they actually had melody. Yeah, a great point on both fronts. Jack. Number one theme song, Twilight Zone. 
That that was in the top ten. I would not have put it number one, but it was in the top ten. Danny. Curtis's theme song, Disco Duck, because they're cousins, identical cousins, can you see? Patty Duke. You don't like Patty Duke? I like Patty Duke, but... You don't like Patty Duke? You know, Disco Duck (laughs) was a great song. It was a Rick D's song. But then why wouldn't you sing Disco Duck? Why would you sing the Patty Duke theme song? Listen, that's Curtis's theme song. I'm not going to step on his his, his feet. Well, uh, well done, Danny. Uh, Excellent observation. Alan in Westchester. (laughs) Come and listen to a story about a man named Ted. Poor mountain man barely kept his family fed. And one day he was shooting at some food, and up through the ground came a bubbling crude. Jimmy in Brooklyn. Yeah, the Trump story with the Kanye and everything, that's a two-day story. It should be over. We know he's not a racist. Trump for president. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, We'll see where it goes, right? I mean, uh, there have been, even President Trump's own ambassador to Israel called him out on it. Um, Look, clearly it was, I think it was Bill O'Reilly who was talking to John Katzmatidis yesterday. He called it another unforced error. And I think that's true. I think, um, but look, you're going to get that with Trump. I said when uh, Trump was running for president in 2016, that it was not going to be smooth sailing. And I was a big Trump supporter, but uh, I said that um, with Trump, it was almost like chemotherapy for Washington. You, when you take chemotherapy, it does a lot of damage to your system. Question is, is it worth getting rid of the cancer? And I think uh, different people may have different views on that. The sense that I get with Trump, and and I hate even discussing Trump on the radio, one, because we try to keep it a little lighter on this show, but two, it, people just get – it's like a bull seeing a red cape that you can't even focus on anything else if the word Trump is uttered. The folks that love Trump, the folks that hate Trump, you can't even have a rational discussion, which is my least favorite thing. But the problem I see for, see for Trump is I get the sense that even among a lot of supporters of his, there's just this sense of Trump fatigue. This I think it was John Gambling who used the phrase – the Trump show, people have tired of it every day, having the whole media cycle dominated by a tweet. And uh, as much as people may not be crazy about Joe Biden, I think a lot of folks that were supportive of Trump's policies may be tired of that. But I don't know. Maybe that's a question for General uh, Thomas McInerney tomorrow. Uh, he certainly was a big Trump supporter. I'll ask him about that. Hey, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Frank Moreno, good day.